Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Sunday, August 7, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 328. This is No Agenda. Reporting from the front lines of Gitmo Nation from the Four Winds 5000 Crackpot Command Center in the land of Lincoln from Inverness in the great state of Illinois. In the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's as miserable as usual, I'm John C. Dvorak. It just rained here too. Actually, we had quite a uh, quite a little uh, downpour. A gully washer. A good word. Good one. Gully washer. Gully washer is big rain. In the morning to you. In the morning to you. In the morning to you, Adam, and in the morning to all ships at sea. And uh, boots on the ground, and of course, as always. Our human resources in the chat room at noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. They're all worth about $9.2 million when they're born. Uh, they are quickly depreciating, but they're charged up and ready to go exactly the way their government loves them and here to help us through the next uh, two hours, two and a half hours of the show. So it looks like you beat me on this one. And I'm not. You know, this, is a, this is a case of pre-celebration. <laughs> you know, this is, a, this is a karmic thing that happens to every football team that you ah, ever. Every winning football team, you mean to say? No, every every team. No, you see this all the time. The team like is five. You know, three minutes left to go, and now there's thirty seconds left to go, and the team goes down and kicks the winning field. or looks like the winning field goal with twenty seconds to go. And, and then they they're all celebrating and spiking the ball and yin and yin and yin, yeah. Yeah, and then the other team has 20 seconds left. They score a touchdown and win. I have seen this happen way too many times. Well, John, uh, I, 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 I didn't even want to start the show talking about the fact that I predicted, uh, quite accurately as it turns out, that uh, the debt ceiling would be raised, both, in you, uh, both you and I agreed on that, but that the actual uh, rating downgrade would take place. And I, I just want to remind you of this little ditty. If you guys don't do another QE3, or if you don't issue more bonds, if we don't get more debt on the books, which we then make money from, we're going to downgrade your existing bonds. Yeah, I suppose they could say something like that if they wanted two to the head. Oh, John, really? <laughs> I had a hey, lot of I had a lot of pleasure that's finding still that in clip. play, you know. <laughs> Actually, uh, even funnier was uh, little Timmy Geithner when he was posed the exact same question several weeks ago. Uh, is there a risk that the United States could lose its triple A credit rating? Yes or no? No risk of that. No, no risk. No, no risk. risk. Again, no if risk. you look, no if you risk. listen carefully now, no. you see the leadership of the United States of America, the president, the Republican leadership in both houses, and the Democrats recognizing now that this is the right thing to do for the economy, that we have to put in place now reforms that bring down our long-term deficits in ways that will help strengthen future growth. And that's incredibly important recognition by people, and we'd like to put something in place as soon as we can so we can begin that process. So Standard & Poor's is wrong. The United States will keep its AAA credit rating. You know, people, absolutely. And people who look at the United States, I mean, it's understandable, people. Hey, hey, absolutely. 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 You know what was great, though? Uh, you remember Christy Romer? She's the uh, she was the president's economic advisor. She's over Cal now. Yeah, she's covering her ass. She's been doing this for a while. She'd be like, "Well, we told the president before he even had his inauguration that it was going to be really bad. He needed more money for the for the stimulus." Blah blah blah. She's covering her butt everywhere. 
And and let us point out Which once means again, it must be quite a chore, I should say. <laughs> now, now, John. Um, she's never had a real job. She's an academic, but she was on the Bill Maher show, and uh, ooh, she uh, she let out a little word, like a couple of words actually, including a few about Timmy. So. Uh, excuse my language, but we used to do a segment on this show called How Fucked Are We? <laughs> I didn't expect that there, but... Uh, uh, this, I, just before we went on the air, they said our rating got downgraded. Uh, so, pretty darn fucked? Ooh. <laughs> I've been hanging around Tim Geithner yeah, too long. Why, does he swear like a sailor? Oh, like a seventh grade boy. <laughs> okay, nice. By the way, a lot of people now suspect that the uh, ratings downgrade, which came in Friday uh, after the market closed, was actually leaked. Oh, on that Thursday. Re- that's that's, that's, what, why that's why the, the Thursday crash took yeah. place. And oh, yeah. now that it's public knowledge... In other words, more than just a few insiders know about it, which is illegal, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, the Monday market should be qu- quite entertaining. So, a couple of things here. Now, first of all, uh, I think that you and I both agree that uh, the ratings agencies obviously are completely compromised. Um, if uh, it, it, you know, so they sent over this downgrade, and then some somebody at uh, Treasury goes. Well, you got your numbers wrong. It's not right. Be, 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 be. You know, Obama just is like, uh, he's like, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, Adios, mofo. I'm going to go to Camp David for the weekend. I'm not going to do anything about it. He doesn't care. So, uh, you know, th- this was set up, and I think it can only be one of a couple of reasons. One, as I, uh, as I surmised in my prediction, there was a billion-dollar hedge out there. Uh, we reported that that someone had bet a billion dollars that the, uh, the United States would get a downgrade. So someone made a ton of money. I'm not sure how those instruments work or how, how it would happen, but uh, that would make sense. Two, I think that there's a distinct possibility now that this is a setup for QE3, i.e. another quantitative easing that needs to be done by the U.S. And three... It seems, if you would think that all these guys work in collusion with each other, which, of course, just look at the show, it's obvious that it's all one big reality program, that um, this is probably a setup to have the Bush tax cuts expire and basically raise taxes on everybody. Okay, is that it? I think that's it. I mean... Oh, well, I got more then. Oh, good. But I just want to hear you, just before we continue, I would just like to hear you say it. You're right, Adam. Yeah, there you go. But you're right a lot, so I'm not too concerned about that. (laughs) So so I looked into it because I had to figure out... Because you don't really have it. I don't know where you got this idea to begin with. I, I mean, I think you're... Overall analysis is accurate. A couple of things that should be noted. One, I don't think it has anything to do with QE3 because the reason you did the QE anything was to uh, normalize the the return on investment on treasuries. So the long-term bond had a, had a really low interest rate and the short-term bond had a really high, uh, high interest rate, relatively speaking, because you don't want those numbers. You don't want the... the, the uh, 
the various in, uh, sh- short, medium, and long term to be a flat line across a graph. You want it to be uh, a line that goes up. Right. And QE three is or would would make it doesn't go need down. to do that because right now the market has done it. Okay. And the bonds are selling just fine, which is why everyone was so surprised by this downgrade. So, uh, you, in other words, do, these treasury bonds are extremely popular right now in the world. Now, so we have to. F- See, what's really going on here, and I think is something more to this, which I also think there's a naivete involved with this, uh, Devin Sharma, who's the president of Standard & Poor's, which is owned by McGraw-Hill. Who is not the guy, by the way, uh, that is out there, a guy named Chambers, which I thought that was the Cisco guy's name, John Chambers. Where did he come from? I looked, I looked for his name. He's not like, and it was like, here's the guy who's responsible for the downgrade. I don't think so. He's not on the report. He's not uh, on the board of directors. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who, what you're talking about either, but Paul Coughlin is the guy at Standard & Poor's who's responsible for corporate ra- or government ratings. Anyway, but the guy that's been making the most noise is this Devin Charman. Here's what I think's happened. In January of this year, Devin Sharma, the president of Standard & Poor's, wrote a scathing op-ed in the Washington or in the uh, Wall Street Journal Uh bitching without really naming names or saying anything it was just generalized but he was bitching about government regulation of the ratings agency because they were taking a hit on all those bad mortgages right 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 and so he says you can't you know you can't go off and just start to uh uh regulate you know well, tell us what- essentially i think he was saying you can't regulate free speech because they're all claiming that they are just like media and that it's free speech they can say whatever they want about well, anything it was more of like the li- it was more along these lines you can't tell us how to do our business yeah, okay government. yeah that's the same thing so and he, what he was talking about was dodd frank Right, and he yeah. was saying, "Do not pass this, but Dodd Frank." So he, so Dodd Frank, by you know, gets finalized, I think, in June, yeah. and goes through, and now it's it's law. And I so I started to look at Dodd Frank because that's the only pertinent piece of legislation he could possibly be complaining about. Dodd Frank, about one third of it, is regulating ratings agencies, ratings agencies yeah. to the point where they are going to have government tests if you're going to work for them. They're going to tell you how to do it. They're essentially, the government essentially is taking over the ratings agencies. Well, it's interesting you say that because when I looked at uh, the websites, because that's kind of where I get my information, I looked at the websites for Moody's, I looked at the website for Fitch and for Standards and Poor's, and all of them have a special news section specifically about how the Dodd-Frank bill affects their business. And when you read through it, you're like, you don't get it. Because it's like, who understands what they're saying? But all of them are are pissed off about it because it's top of their news pages. They're all pissed off about it because essentially the government is taking over. I mean, essentially, you read through this and tell me I'm wrong. Essentially, the government is taking over without taking over. They're essentially going to regulate. They're going to have testing. You can't work for one of these agencies you have all these rules and regulations you can't do any consulting there's a million things that they're 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 doing to these rating agencies i believe devin was irked about this and i think all the rating agencies were but the other ones were too chicken devin sharma is an indian he comes from one of those crazy indian institutions he's a ceo he has the kind of indian brahmin and the Indians out there, the two Indians that listen to the show, were, <laughs> who were don't donate, who bucks. don't, who don't send us money, don't donate the cheap Indians. They have a they 
they maybe don't get some of the intricacies of certain things, and so he basically has the most balls yeah. and comes out and, and basically threatens the government with this op. If you read between the lines on the op-ed, pulls the trigger on the uh, on the downgrade, which everyone else must have been shaking in their boots when he did this, and which why I think he's still vulnerable to two to the head. Uh-huh. And then when they start attacking him with all this bogus crap about, oh, you know, you're not doing it right. Off, yeah. He says, warns a further cut, front page of today's right. Sunday Times. <laughs> yeah. In other words, oh, really? You don't oh, like yeah? the double A rating? You want to do one a single A, bitches? Yeah, no, I, I'll buy that. I totally buy that. So there's a little I'm battle down. going no, on. No, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. And, and honestly, my prediction was purely based on the fact that I think that everyone is all playing along with this game. It's all one big corrupt thing. And when I saw the billion-dollar hedge come out, I'm like, all right, someone's on the inside. Someone knows about this is going to happen. That was really the only, um, uh, the only reason why I called that. But I think this... Uh, what you're saying, having this as a uh, as a stick, is pretty good. And so, what'll be interesting to see is if because Moody's can still do a downgrade if they want, right? I mean, they're looking. They can pretty, all do it. They're looking pretty stupid right now. Yeah, and it, it, it tends to be bandwagon jumping, and they're always they can just point the finger at this Devin guy. Now, um, if I had read Dodd Frank. And I'd read that editorial originally. I would have been more than happy to agree with you on this whole thing, knowing that since the day Dodd-Frank, when Dodd-Frank passed, just before Dodd-Frank finally passes, when you had all these threats, if you don't notice. Or, you know, you can get downgraded, you can get downgraded, you can get downgraded. And the government apparently was oblivious to the fact that they're trying to tell them not to pass this thing. They passed it, boom, they got downgraded. Right. You know, what are you going to do? I think they're going to, there's a possibility of a second downgrade if it's going to oh, yeah. continue. Oh, then yeah. this guy's really taking a chance. So what I thought was kind of interesting is there were two um, other theories out there. One from, which showed up on Huffington Post and was tweeted on uh, tweeters all over the place saying, oh, this is real easy. Uh, Terry McGraw the third supports Mitt Romney. That's why this is happening. I'm like, What? So there are people out there, you know, techno experts tweeting this bull crap. Oh, that's a good one. That's real, and you know, and so I actually I followed it. I was like, okay, let me see. Nowhere can this be found. But you know, they're saying that there was a some kind of stealth company that was created out of Bain, and uh, McGraw has something to do with that, and they donated a million dollars to Romney, and then the company was absolved. It's like. Wow, man! You know, people, uh, the Democrats who always talk about us being. Uh, conspiracy theorists—they're—they're they're really bad. They're disinformationists. And then Ron Paul, which you know, I wish he—if if what you had just said had come out of Ron Paul's mouth, I would have been really happy. Instead, he said this: that when we were working on raising the debt limit over my objection, they kept saying, "Well, if you don't raise the debt limit, uh, we're going to downgrade you." So we raised the debt limit, so they downgrade which means that the spending is not under control. But the other thing that bothered me is I, I read where S&P said that one of the reasons they downgraded was that we weren't accepting, you know, tax increases. So uh, there's a lot of confused uh, economic ideas out there, but uh, I think we're in for a lot of trouble, which is what I've been saying for a long time. Okay, that, that part is right, of course, but... I'm like, no, really? I mean, you're really going to take this seriously? That, that was disappointing to me. He should have just said, oh, this is all bogus. <laughs> That's what he should have said. That's what he should have said. Yeah, he just said, it's all bogus. No, he didn't say that, unfortunately.
what is bogus is this huge psyops campaign that is being run against uh, certainly the American uh, slaves and uh, the world at large. Now, on the last program, we talked about this this guy who wrote this New Yorker magazine article. Uh, What's the name? Schmidl? Schmidl, Schmidl, Schmidl. What's his first name? Schmidl? I think it's Schmidl. Yeah. Um... And it was, you know, and and actually, it's funny because you know, I was making fun of how he wrote this like Tan- Tom Clancy kind of novel about the uh, attack on Osama bin Laden. <coughs> and I was talking about the helicopter pilot say of Helos Two, which was filmed from the ground, apparently. Uh, Nicholas Schmidl. He, you know, he's like, oh, I had my noise canceling headsets on. All, all I could hear was the heartbeat of my own my my own heartbeat. And I got a couple of emails from um, airmen. Uh, Navy and Marine pilots, and they said, you know, we do have noise-canceling headsets, but A, those things suck, and I really wish I had my Dave Clarks back, (laughs) because you can hear a lot more than just the thumping of your heartbeat. So that was kind of funny. But this guy, as it turns out, he did a big interview on uh, our National Treasure, NPR, and even the NPR host, I don't have a clip of it because it's just too stupid, was like, you know, you, you did all these interviews, and you've got all this information, and blah, blah, blah. They even had to post a retraction, which they only did on their website with one little one little blurb, saying, uh, just to clarify, Nicholas Schmidl never, ever spoke to any of the Navy SEALs, not a single one. Um, and I challenged people to find for me the background on this guy. Uh, no one sent me any emails, thanks for that. But here's what I found out. Nicholas Schmidl's father is Marine Corp Lieutenant General Robert E. Schmidl Jr., Deputy Commander of the U.S. Cyber Command. <sighs> what's the cyber? What's the cyber? What's, command? what's the cyber command? Yeah, it's it's just another uh, money sucking scheme from. Uh, <laughs> well, from, besides that, yeah, you know, but he's always you a can high- answer that to any question I ask. Yes, that's what I do. No, he's, but he's a high ranking guy. Yeah. This whole thing was completely bogus, obviously. Yeah, I think psyops is the word. Well, I have a couple more. But, of course, what happens is uh, we get this horrible report that a Chinook 40, uh, a CH-47E, which is a really big aircraft, was shot down by Taliban, of course, the mystical, magical Taliban. And on board were yeah. the team members of Navy Team SEAL 6. Who did the Osama bin Laden raid? I mean, could you come up with a better two-to-the-head scenario than that? Uh, you know, it was like, you know, we got all this stuff. We've got to make people believe that this really happened. There's something else I found. Um, so there's this movie, The People Who Made the Hurt Locker. Uh, what are their names again? Let me see. I've got it here. Um, let me find it for you. Uh, you know the the Hurt Locker, right? Which, yeah, the Hurt Locker. Didn't that win the Academy Award? Yeah, it did. Yeah. So those two uh, filmmakers have been given unprecedented access to the CIA and special ops by the president directly, and they're actually showing up in meetings. They're taking meetings with the CIA to make this movie about the killing of Bin Laden. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, of course, this happens, and immediately the tweeters are all alive. Everyone's freaking out, like, oh, oh, and of course, I get a million emails saying, well, there you go. That's how you get rid of evidence. Yeah, and I'm in total agreement on that. So they roll out as many guys as they can, as they can 
who are, and uh, you'll hear that this guy is a total nincompoop douche nozzle who knows nothing. He doesn't know anything. All His only message is to say not a single one of the Navy SEAL Team 6 members was on that chopper. That is the only reason why he's being brought on to this news program. Good morning to you, Jack. Well, good morning. Okay, this is some pretty serious... He's a colonel, retired colonel, right? Jack Jacobs. Hey, Jack Jacobs, everybody, in the morning here to give you some PSYOPs information. Stand by. Jeff, give me an update on what we know. Well, we think it's a, probably an MH-47E. It's the kind of CH-47 twin-rotored uh, helicopter that's frequently used in special operations. The report from Hamid Karzai was that it was... Uh, by the way, that's not... I don't believe that that's true. The, this is not an aircraft you use for special operations. This is like an aircraft carrier in the sky. It's like you want to let people know that you're coming? No, you're not going to fly a, a Chinook 47. But okay, uh, let's continue to listen. A special operations helicopter, and it was engaged in an operation against a built-up area. The Taliban has claimed responsibility for shooting it down, but it's not clear whether or not it was shot down or it just crashed. You remember when uh, our operation went against uh, uh, Osama bin Laden, one of the helicopters there, its rotor clipped the wall inside mm -hmm. the compound. Had oh, really? Really? Well, this is new. So we went from Vortex Ring State, which incorrectly Nicholas Schmidl uh, called settling with power, uh, to uh, the one of the rotors clipped a wall, and that's no, why they, they crashed. Yeah, but there was even a, a pre-story to the Vortex story. What was that? Which is the motor or something crapped out because it was a stealth device or yeah. something yeah. happened. Which I think is the truth. I, I think they had all this gear hanging off of it. This guy didn't have enough power. But for this guy to say this means that either A, he's really on the inside and knows something that happened. But I don't believe so because if, you know, it's not like uh, like a toy helicopter where, oh, you know, the, the rotor clipped uh, the chair in the living room and it just falls down. Now, if if you clip a rotor, I mean, you're, everything's going to disintegrate. This thing is just, you know, you, your rotor blades will will fly in all directions. You'll have people being... Fl I mean, it's, that's a horrible, horrible thing when you when a rotor blade hits, actually hits something. So that's not true, because that the, the profile of the accident, what we know of it, does not show that. So I'm just going to call this guy bull crap on the guy. To be replaced by another. Uh, it, it's easy to shoot these helicopters down, but they yeah, also crash easy. with great ease. That's why we use them in uh, special ops, because it's easy to shoot them down. <laughs> but it, it, the, the 45 <laughs> will take one out. Yeah, I got the slingshot. Plink. Got it. 38 people killed in one crash, one incident. It's a huge number. Mm -hmm. uh, where are we getting the information about the the helicopter being shot down? Well, that's coming straight from the Taliban. Tal yeah, because the Taliban News Network. Taliban claims responsibility for every casualty and every helicopter, every aircraft that's lost, and every uh, uh, mechanical malfunction, Taliban claims responsibility for it. Yeah, yeah. But it's not outside the realm of possibility that, in fact, they are responsible for it. Helicopters are extremely... All right, get to the point, Jake. ...vulnerable, mm -hmm. especially when they're landing and taking off. They're going zero miles an hour. Oh, let me... I just got to stop. Not true. So this guy actually thinks helicopters take off vertically all the time. Like, like an elevator. No, helicopters actually get into something called trans, uh, translational lift and... Uh, transitional lift, I'm sorry. Um, and they fly with forward speed, and once they have the transition, then they pull up, and then they go up. So they are actually probably doing 
30 to 40 knots. So this is not true. The guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But he's there for a reason. They're easy to shoot down on or near the ground uh, with small arms and automatic weapons. Yeah, after with the 45. There you have it, John. He's just shot it down with the 40. It's easy. Uh, with rocket-propelled grenades, which are typically used against ground stationary targets, and even with shoulder-fired uh, anti-aircraft missiles, many of which we gave to the Taliban years ago when they yeah. were fighting the Russians. It remains to be seen right now whether or not it crashed or was shot down. Uh, the, right now the word is that it crashed, but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter. You've, you've, you've lost 37 yeah. lives, 38 lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I thought I had on this clip that How he said. How come he can't get the number right? Yeah, 37, he's, 38, he's an, he's what an is idiot. it? He's an idiot. Isn't that kind of weird? He's a total idiot. Uh, and then somewhere he said that uh, it was not, it was absolutely not the uh, Navy SEAL 6 team. I guess I don't have that clip here. Anyway, um, so, and of course the president came out with a, a brief statement saying we're very sorry for the lives lost, which he does not do typically. There are, uh, you know, 10 people a week getting killed in Afghanistan, still getting killed in Iraq. He never, he doesn't uh, typically write a little note. A little Maybe press release. tell the rest of the guys to shut up. Possibly. But here's what I stumbled across this morning. And now I know... There's got to be other people that know if the, if the whole thing was phonied up. There has to be other people that in the loop. Oh, lots of people. I think you're absolutely right. Shut up or this could happen to you. But it, it hurts me to think that, that that actually could happen. That someone says you know like well we've we, we got to get uh, this story out there we've got to get people believing this bin laden thing uh we've we got the movie lined up we got nicholas schmittle we got him writing a beautiful thing that everyone's buying into uh he's doing the rounds uh and now uh and you know what but we still got some guys we got to shut them up and someone actually had a meeting and said well i know what we can do let's uh, kill him I mean, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to think that that's actually a meeting that took place. But okay. So well, I mean, we we can assume either that is that it was an out and out accident and just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. It's possible coincidence. I think not. Yeah, I don't think so. And again, this doesn't seem. You know, they used uh, special Blackhawks for their Bin Laden raid. Why all of a sudden are we using Chinook 47Es? Which are, it's, a, it's a huge aircraft. There's 40 people on board. Yeah, that's for special ops. Big twin rotors. Yeah. One of the things the size of a football field. Yeah, it's really big. So the PSYOPs, though, really hit me this morning. As I'm looking at C-SPAN, I'm looking at C-SPAN, uh, uh, C-SPAN.org. And there's this woman, Catherine Herod. Herod or Herod? Let me see what her name is. I think it's Herod. And uh, Herridge. Sorry, Herridge. And it turns... She has a book out, and she was on the C-SPAN call-in show, which, by the way, has also now been completely compromised, as you'll hear in these couple of clips I have. And she's written a book called... Um, what is it? Uh, why can't I find the name of this book? Well, she mentions it. And she is the one that apparently wrote the article. She works for Fox News, and she's she's a hottie. I mean, she's kind of like uh, Peter Pan looking. That's one mother I'd like to. F- she's got really short, cropped hair. And What's her name? Catherine Herridge. You'll like her immediately. She's, she's hot. 
but in in kind of a very crazy. I mean, you look at her, you go like nutball. If you met her in a bar, you'd walk away. You're like, okay, she's going to she's going to put the shiv in my back when I'm not looking. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen her before. Or, or I'll wake up and uh, and in lipstick on the mirror it says, you know, I've taken your kidneys and you're in a bathtub full of ice. She actually looks like she works for an agency. Well, she does, and she's written this book, and it's all about it's it's a complete psyop. She's the one that reported that Anwar Awalaki, aka Adam Gadan, was at the Pentagon for a luncheon in 2002. So after 9-11, she's the one that reported on it. So she, and, 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 and when this came out, we're like, wow, how did this news come out? And how does this woman from Fox get this information? Well, she is an agent. And when you see her talk, and you can find the links in the show notes at uh, 328.nashownotes.com, you'll, you get hypnotized by just looking at her. She's really, really good. But she rolls out a meme fest, John. This first clip, I guarantee you. Four new domain names will be registered and point to noagendashow.com when you hear this. Check it out. Uh, the, the name of the book is The Next Wave. Yes, that's On it. On the hunt for Al-Qaeda's, or as the New York Times says, Qaeda. Qaeda. Uh, American <laughs> recruits. Yeah. This is all about the homegrown lone wolf that we have to be afraid of now. <laughs> And listen to her memes. You went to the courtroom. I take you to Fort Hood, San Diego, parts of Virginia to investigate this new generation. I call it Al-Qaeda 2.0. There is sort of a tension in the book between who's in control, us or the terrorists, because what we see with this new generation is that they're really using our technology against us in a way that we never saw a decade ago. I call them the new digital jihadist. (laughs) (laughs) So we have digital jihadists, Al-Qaeda 2.0. And the person at the center of that is this American in Yemen called Anwar al-Awlaki. So she's pushing Anwar al-Awlaki as the number one guy. This is what I told you, is that we have the other dude, the old dude, but he's not, he's not being positioned as number one by our intelligence sources, which is Catherine Herridge clearly is. It's all about this guy because he's also an agent. This is, the whole, this is the whole setup. And this is someone who, whether he's emailing or he's blogging or his lectures are on YouTube, he's kind of like the Facebook friend from hell. God, the Facebook friend from hell. Oh, I yeah. Like oh, yeah. She's good. And that's how he <laughs> spreads this ideology of hate. And you- yeah, she's very, very good. So um, they, she has callers, and I think half of them are fake, and some of them get by and are real, uh, but the intent is to roll out every single theory we've spoken about on, on a show like ours, and to debunk it without actually answering the question. So uh, here she is talking about how she broke the story of Anwar Al-Alaki uh, at, attending and speaking at a luncheon at the Pentagon. Good morning. Hi. I would say the most insidious Mm -hmm. thing is when the media refuses to look at the Mm -hmm. actual history of things, refuses, once reports that Anwar al-Awlaki dined at the Pentagon after 9-11 and then refuses to follow it up and now is beating the drum for this homegrown terrorism, which is really where these attacks were really directed at demonizing the American people and the very idea of freedom. So I wish you would straighten out uh, some of these obvious contradictions in the story about this supposed uh, new Emmanuel Goldstein character, Anwar Al-Awlaki. We all understand uh, around the world, uh, anyone who's looked into it, that these have been uh, myths perpetrated on the United States. 9-11 was a PSYOP dedicated at 
reducing our ability to be uh, sovereign uh, individuals and sovereign nations. And while this is going on, she's looking straight at the camera, no emotion. So could you please comment on Anwar yeah, Allah having lunch at the Pentagon? So I think this was a set-up call. That guy sounds way too good. He, uh, he hits all the points. And to me, that sounded, you know, he's like using all the conspiracy theorist words, you know, PSYOPs operation, 9-11 PSYOPs operation, which of course it was, but that's not the point. I think this guy is uh, is a shill, and here's how she answers it. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I... I'm glad you asked that question because it was in the script. I was the reporter who broke that story about Anwar Alalaki's uh, lunch at the Pentagon. As you probably know, because you've been following it, that was in February of 2002. And what I show in the book through documents that we obtained through the Freedom of Information Act is that he was the guest of the Office of General Counsel and that nearly 80 people were invited to that lunch. Um, what I think is important here is that it shows to me a pattern. At that time, Anwar Alalaki was sort of like an imam around town here in Washington and was sort of feted as a moderate Muslim. But what I argue in the book is that the evidence was to the contrary. For example, I reveal documents that show that right after 9-11 in that first eight days, he was interviewed at least four times by the FBI. So there was this sort of split view of him um, here in Washington at the very least. On the one hand, people were highly suspicious of his contacts with three of the nine hijackers on Flight 77. And then on the other hand, he was seen as sort of a moderate and go-to guy to sort of build a bridge um, between uh, that world and the United States. And what I would also add, and I think you'll find interesting, is that for me, writing about that lunch at the Pentagon um, was really upsetting on many levels because when you look at Anwar Alalaki's contacts, it was with three of the five hijackers on Flight 77, and that was the flight that slammed into the Pentagon. So when Anwar yeah. Alalaki was invited back there to lunch as a guest speaker on Islam and politics, to me it was like a thief returning to the scene of the crime and you could imagine someone like Alaki walking the corridors of that building and in some respects marveling at the destruction that his guys were responsible for. She's really building it up there, isn't she? Really doing a good job. No, I think it's great. So who was Emmanuel Goldstein? Because there was a reference to that. This, uh, they, the caller called him an, an Emmanuel Goldstein character. Who was that? I don't know. I mean, let me look it up. But the only Emmanuel Goldstein I know ran the 2600 operation, which was a, a hacker's journal. Well, hold on a second. He's fairly famous for that, but I don't think they're talking about him. So who was it then? I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you look that up? And I will uh, continue with Miss Catherine Harridge. The spy from hell. Oh, he's a, he's a character in the George Or Orwell novel. Oh, of course. Nineteen eighty four. He's the he's the number one enemy. He's of the, the villain, right? To Big Brother. Of course. Oh, all right. Okay. So here she is rolling out the. Uh, out kind of a, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Isn't that kind of an obscure reference? Yeah. Of course. Reference. Of course. This is why because these this guy was a fake caller. I'm like, all right, throw in throw in a nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, kid, research that. Huh. Uh, Emmanuel Goldstein. Yeah, that'll work. Who was that? I, I don't know. Put up, throw up a wiki page, quick, so people can look him up. Weird, huh? Well, I don't no, think it's that weird. Really. <laughs> All right, well, listen to uh, now, of course, because she's positioning Anwar Alalaki, Adam Gadon, as we've promised to call him. And I do believe, by the way, before we go on, I, I'm 100% I'm with you that he is an agent. Oh, yeah. 
The same as as uh, as possibly Bin Laden. Bin Laden, yeah, of course, of course. And you need to get a new guy in there. It's got to be that guy, not the other guy, because that other guy, guy, for, guy he's the real deal. Cannon, he's the real deal. <laughs> he's, yeah, a, he's actually Al Qaeda or something like that, or advertising. I don't know what he is, but he's no good because he's not on the payroll. He's not playing along with the game. So uh, we have to set up uh, Al-Qaeda as a huge, huge thing. Now, how do we do that? We've heard this uh, meme propagated several times. We have to compare it to uh, a Fortune 500 company. That's how, it, that's how you really frighten people about this uh, mystical Al-Qaeda thing. That's a good question. Uh, one of the things I lay out in the book is really where the war on terror is going next. And I think if you want to understand where it's going and probably what it's going to take to win it, this would be a book you want to get. Because what I, sh- <laughs> I love that, by the way. Hey, this is the book you want to get. I mean, this is a great book. I wrote it. It's good. So is that terrorism in many respects is like water. It takes the path of least resistance, and we're dealing with a thinking enemy. So you move one way, and it moves, an other, uh, it moves another. And what we've seen since 9-11 is that al-Qaeda, which was traditionally in Pakistan, we now see these franchise operations, which have popped up in Yemen, which is where we have Franchise. Yeah, yeah, it gets better. American, and also in Somalia, and then you have this homegrown component. So in many respects... The threat is more complex and it's more diverse because on 9-11, Al-Qaeda was like a Fortune 500 company with Osama bin Laden as the CEO. (laughs) Uh, Do you think he had a corner office? just like that. (laughs) Do you think he had a corner office with Walnut? You think that's what he had? The CEO? It's it's just like that. Exactly Exactly the same. If you ever went into a large corporation, you'd see it was exactly the same as as this. Bull crap. And now it's much more of a franchise operation. And I know since bin Laden's death, there are three areas. McDonald's. Uh, yeah, it's exactly what it is. Billions served, billions killed. Uh, brought to you by Al Qaeda franchise. Is that the U.S. intelligence community is looking at very hard? Number one, were there plots in the pipeline before his death? Number two, will homegrown, I'll say, or sleeper cells use his death as a justification to launch attacks as we get towards the 10th anniversary of 9/11? Mm. Or will these affiliates in countries affiliates. like Somalia and Yemen kind of step up? to fill the void. So I don't think it's as simple as we pull down troops or resources from one area and then we can bring it into the United States. Unfortunately, the people who are making decisions on these issues right now really face some very tough challenges. Oh, okay. So wait, wait, wait. you know she says, well, I mentioned McDonald's and she says supercells, which brings to mind supersize. Supersize, yeah, supersize, absolutely. Good one, good kind catch. Of, kind of, just kind of a borderline meme that sounds like something you're familiar with. Hey, uh, could I have uh, one Al Qaeda McNugget to go? Would and what like- the hell's a supercell? <laughs> supercell. That's also used in the tornado <laughs> movies. <laughs> oh God! Here comes another supercell. Nothing could be more deadly. <laughs> All we're missing is they're saying it's really hot. Hot pockets. We got a hot supercell. pocket supercell. This is a supercell. She. I would have stopped her right there and asked her, "What the hell's a supercell?" Oh no! Oh no! This woman who was interviewing her, she has a script. And you have to watch the whole thing. It's like 40 minutes. And I could I could have played it as an end-of-show clip, and we would just sat here laughing the whole time. But it's even better if you go to 328.nashownotes.com and watch the whole thing, because she's interesting to look at, and she has this kind of, you know, this, uh, yeah, this hypnotic-type quality uh, about her, which is uh, just highly entertaining. So uh, two more short clips. 
Here she is. Uh, of course, now we need to move, shift the conversation from the supercells and the the former Fortune 500 company led by CEO Bin Laden to the homegrown terror, and we need some proof that this is real. Yes, ma'am. It's called Problem Reaction Solution. That's so this guy, I think, actually is a real caller. So he calls in and says, you know, this is Problem Reaction Solution. This is, uh, you know, this is, again, it's a psyops question. So it could be could be fake, but he sounded real. And then, of course, she's going to thank him for this excellent question and answer it in a way that proves that you were all stupid. Okay, let's get a response from our guest. Right. Um, thank you for the question. One of the things I lay out in this book is uh, documentation that the Justice Department has uh, gathered over the last couple of years. And what you see in that is that there has been a documented case of homegrown terrorism. And these are cases involving American citizens with some type of tie to an international terrorist organization every two to three weeks since about January of 2009. So the numbers are there. People ask me how many people are there within the United States. I can't tell you that, but I can tell you what these cases are. And you see these cases following, following a couple of different patterns. One, these are American citizens who have traveled overseas, for example, to Pakistan or to Yemen to get training. Perhaps one of the most famous cases is the Times Square bomber Faisal Shahzad. This was a young man who traveled to Pakistan. He got his training from the Taliban. He came back to the United States. He drove an SUV into Times Square, and he thought he had a viable explosive device. And many counterterrorism officials will say to you that they actually believe that was a successful attack against the United States. <laughs> that was a successful. It like it was. There was like some smoke coming out of his exhaust. <laughs> that was a successful attack, and he actually passes that off as like a yeah, fact. Success. You know, you know, people, people, it's the truth. A successful attack. Successful attack. That was a success- successful attack. That was a successful attack. So, how many know, people did it kill? Yo, it was. Shut up. What exploded? It was a successful attack. The guy was a bonehead. <laughs> but wait. if he farted, it would have been more successful. <laughs> Whoa, aromatic poo. Throwback. The only thing that sort of saved us in that situation was the fact that the bomb did not detonate. It, it, it couldn't detonate. Am I crazy? Am I remembering remembering this wrong? But he had, like, none of the ingredients. It was just, yeah, like, no, smoldering. Yeah, up. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, John. Easy. And then there are other cases where you see people launch these attacks, but they haven't had training overseas. They are sort of kind of do-it-yourself operations at home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I'm going to do it for the <laughs> Do-it-yourself operation at home. That's right. Hey. Hey, Daddy. I got an idea. Let's do it. Let's do something fun today. I got a, I got a new Give hobby. A break. <laughs> In some of these cases, we've intercepted them or disrupted them through FBI sting operations, like the case last year, the young man who tried to detonate a car bomb at a Christmas tree lighting ceremony. It was a, it was an idiot who was set up. Total. It's. I mean, we d- 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 a moron that was goaded. Yeah, Let's and then it, get it right. You have uh, Fort Hood. Fort Hood, where, in, in my opinion, it's not an accident that you had this email relationship between the alleged shooter, Major Nadal Hassan, and Anwar Al-Awlaki. In a lot of ways, Anwar Al-Awlaki is like the dear Abbey of the jihadist world. <laughs> I love it. The dear Abbey of the jihadist world. Because, you know, if, if you feel like, if you're down and out, you don't feel good, Hey, man. People have problems or questions about their faith or their motivation. I, I need some motivation. Dear Abby Anwar Alalaki, I <laughs> lonesome squirrel in, uh, in Tennessee. <laughs> the woman slays me with all these great, great little analogies. It's she fantastic. She is way, way good. All right. So finally, then, to wrap it up, and I'll get off of it, 
she talks about how she came in possession of uh, these documents that has oh. proof. It's all in the book, by the way. She, it's all <laughs> she in the book. She came in possession. Yeah, yeah, listen how she came in possession of it. Go where the facts lead, and I would argue in this I'm book that what you see is real boots on the ground reporting in a way that she does boots on the ground on the ground reporting. That's how good she is. You haven't oh, often yeah. seen in other ways. For example, in the book, I get this Al Qaeda tape from the group in Yemen, and I think people would be surprised to learn that in the process of getting that tape, first of all, the operative wanted thirty thousand dollars for that tape. Um, we don't pay at Fox for tapes. But I'm just telling you that that number, because it gives you an idea of one of the ways they try and raise money. <laughs> well, let me get this straight. So Al-Qaeda makes tapes and then tries to finance their terrorist actions by selling that to Fox. <laughs> okay. Now, I just want to make what sure. What business model? Just want to make sure I heard it properly. Take that one over to Kleiner Perkins. <laughs> um, number two, when I ultimately got this message from Anwar Alalaki, it was ba- buried in a file sharing website that was filled with pornography. Oh, I bet you like that, Pixie. So they use these sites to transmit their messages because they're under uh, the false belief that law enforcement can, can't go to these sites or government computers um, can't go to these sites. Um, and the other thing I'd say about this tape is Maybe that... they just uh, like those sites. Yeah, that's why we go to them. Okay, now here, this is the funniest thing, and then I'll shut up about her. She's going to be all over the place. You watch. She's going to be on every single news channel. Um, but not, you know what? You, I, you know, I... If she goes overboard like this with way too many memes and, and she's a little too slick, I'm not sure that that's true. You know, I, John, it's uh, it's hubris. It's it's just brazen outlandishness. outlandishness. We've got uh, this movie coming out. We've got uh, uh, whoever is paying um, uh, Schmidl. Yeah, it, it's it's theater. It's just theater. Yeah, no, I understand she's a part that, but it. it's just like it's a little. It's okay. Oh, John, we'll play no, it out. We'll, no we'll one, no her. one in the media is doing what we do. No one is calling anyone on this. And this this woman from C-SPAN is just sitting there going like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, porn, yeah." <gasps> we had it analyzed by a forensic audio analyst, and what he said to us is that something called reverb. Something called reverb. Have you ever heard of this uh, amazing thing, John? That this analyst uh, discovered on the tape. Something called reverb? What? Yeah, something called reverb. Yeah, the analyst found that there was something called reverb. Reverb. And, and, and what does that mean? They were running it through a 1970s quadraphonic <laughs> sound system? I mean, what were they talking about? Well, it's fakery. This is how uh, Al-Qaeda oh, the does reverb it. reverb makes it fake? Oh, yeah, listen. It analyzed Have they ever listened to a Mexican radio, <laughs> radio station? station? Or, or truckers on CB, for that matter. Forensic <laughs> audio analyst. And what he said to us is that something called reverb had been added to the tape. So when you listen to the tape, it sounded like a Lockie was in this giant mosque speaking to 10,000 people, and it had this sense of grandeur to it. But in fact, he was probably in a closet with his computer um, <laughs> taping this thing. So In a closet with reverb. Why does he have to go to a closet? Because she's psyops. This is this is how you do <laughs> it. You build up They're this whole thing. It's all for imagery. Oh my goodness! Anyway, be on the lookout for this woman. Uh, she's very funny, uh, and she's and she's ple- pleasant to look at in a very disturbing kind of way. Because you're looking like eh, you feel uneasy. 
but yeah, she, you know, they used to have a woman on CNN who took who they kicked Lou years and years ago in the nineties. Bobby kicked, Batista. No. Oh. Willow Bay. Oh yeah, I remember her. Yeah, sure. Willow Bay. What happened to her? Well, she was like shacked up with one of the executives, supposedly. I mean, this is what is alleged, and that's why she got this million dollar job. And they kicked Lou Dobbs off the air, oh. put her in charge, and then the ratings just tanked. Tanked, and then they took her off, and she never got work again. Or she doesn't care, or she's loaded. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But she was. I know some guys who met her, and they thought she was. A, that same kind of creepy way that this other woman is. But she just disappeared. I don't know how to look her up. She's Very a blonde funny. version of the same girl. Right. So anyway. So it's the I, same pixie look, the same yeah, weird eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the eyes are the what would really freak me out. You just look at those eyes and she's telling you all this. I'm like, yes, I am now. I need to go to the closet with some reverb, with some porn, make a tape. I mean, what is she saying? Like, Al-Qaeda is in the... Is Willow, hold on. Here's why Willow Bay never heard of her again. I hate to change the... No, no, it's, no, it's she good. was married to Robert Iger. Oh, the the Disney guy. Or she still is. She's married to him now. I guess she's American correspondent, editor, author, former model, and wife of Walt Disney CEO Iger. Uh-huh. Currently a senior editor at HuffPost. Oh, okay. So she's still continuing her little shenanigans. Editor at HuffPost. So it's the exact same age as this other woman, basically, mm-hmm, within mm-hmm, a year. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what you do. That's the payoff you get when, you were, when you're when you a NK Ultra a special presidential model. You know, you, you, you go work for the guy at Disney, and you, uh, and you pleasure him <laughs> <laughs> after, your, uh, after your service. And then you get to, you know, on the back burner, and you work for HuffPo. Uh, anyway. I yeah. just thought that was incredibly amusing, and it brought a smile to my face this morning. I thought, you know, if they continue on this, uh, this track of trying to psychologically control people into believing this whole Al-Qaeda, Taliban, lone wolf crap, we'll have material for years to come. Oh, yeah. We'll get materials for years to come anyway. <laughs> we do need to thank some producers. Yes, let's thank some. Uh, today's show is brought to you by. Actually, I should have, start. I uh, should start off with uh, with one of our producers from Nashville. Yeah, we who, have a who, top one, list. who just apparently just decided to become a knight, and he came right up to you and says, "Here, knight me." Even better than that. So this is Patrick Coble, and uh, he uh, came Rhymes up with, with Scoble. That's right, but it's a totally different guy. Believe me, this guy rides a Ducati eleven hundred cc, eleven eighty cc, or something. Like this amazing bike, yeah, I get you down the street. Oh yeah, and um, and he actually brought the decals that are now proudly displayed on the side of the Duchess. If you have not seen it, I tweeted a, a picture on the tweeters, and uh, it's really nice. Did you see it with all the different uh, URLs on it? Yeah, the URLs are it's priceless. like chemtrails uh, dot you uh, dot me uh, dot com. <laughs> big no agenda tour.com no agenda tour no agenda show.com fantastic and so we knighted him on the spot uh, at uh, the big bang bar which we'll talk about in a moment in uh, in nashville with a drumstick as he knelt before me and he became uh, a knight and i would actually just like to did read you get him. grease all over him what kind yeah. of a dr- oh i'm I see what yeah, you're saying right i'd like to read this note <clears throat> adam and john first off thanks for the best podcast ever your podcast has changed my outlook on everything. I was already a self-radicalizing right-wing libertarian, but now because of you, I'm a right-wing lone wolf terrorist. 
<laughs> this is not a good letter, Robert. I did two years in Iraq in the Marines and saw the whackness of the war firsthand and the government waste of every contract there. I was saving for the 333 Club, but when I heard about the Hot Pockets Tour 2008, I knew this would be my chance to become a knight. I'm an I, listen, now listen to this, John. I'm an IT nerd, and I first heard your podcast at a three-letter government agency. I hope this donation helps you in your time of need with the tour and the crappy economy due to the government filled to the ceiling with shills. Now, I'm not going to tell you which three-letter agency it was because I need to protect him a little bit because he asked me uh, not to tell you. But they, he had never heard of the show. He, he, um, I, I, this is one of the few people, I believe, who didn't come to the show through you. But they were actually playing No Agenda at a three-letter agency in the cubicles on speakers. And laughing and hooting and hollering. And he's like, what is this? This is great. <laughs> what is this? What is, who are these crazy this is, guys? This is great. So this, is, <laughs> this, this makes me feel so warm all over. That this is what's happening. Is We've got our people deep inside the system. I love it. And they're all IT guys. So they one push of the button. I'm telling you. Be very afraid of us. I'm going to get back in the closet now with my reverb. <laughs> anyway, so we'll be knighting uh, Patrick later on, and uh, was great to uh, to do that uh, on site. That was a lot of fun. So we have, and we have a second night coming up today from uh, Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, near, another uh, Virginia, mm-hmm. another Virginia guy, mm-hmm. uh, Craig Porter. Uh, in the morning, Adam and John just wanted to help out the Hot Pockets 2008 tour, complete my knighthood, and get my podcast license. I figured if I buy one of of the, uh, uh, let me just skip that part. I'll contribute to the only bastion of real news in the world. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to send some karma to my old buddies from the USS Philadelphia SSN 690. Which was decommissioned, which was decommissioned recently, recently. Yeah, in Portsmouth, Virginia. Here we go. Let's give them some karma. You've got karma. Some of the best guys I've ever known in my life. Wish them the best. Like the best. Like to uh, say, have a great day. But I'll say, watch out for the shills. Thanks, Craig Porter. My other donation show three hundred five, which is this uh, counting, which brings me to knighthood today. William Arcand and Black Knight or Black Knight Bill Arcand actually Drake it. Is it Drake? I think so. Drake, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, another place near the epicenter. Hi, John and Adam. Uh, thanks for providing us with uh, AAA information in a <laughs> AA-plus world. <laughs> Good line. Like S&P, uh, and, like S&P made, the calc- made a calculation error. My last donation completed my double knighthood uh, since it is my birthday tomorrow on, uh, on 8-8. I figured what better gift to receive then the gift of the no agenda. Keep up the good fight, Sir William. Thank you. Joseph Frost in Wooddale, uh, Illinois, in your neck of the woods, a mm-hmm. member of the 328 Club, uh, $328. Hope to see Adam at the Palantine meetup. Can I buy you and Mickey a beer? How about buying a tanky gas? May I have two X karma for myself and a co-worker in hopes of getting out of our American dream jobs and better prospects for ourselves. Yeah, so we're, the way we're going to do uh, karma is uh, I hit the karma and, John, you hit the bell to uh, double it up. You've got karma. Does that work? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then to associate executive producer Brian Barrow, Wooten Bassett, Wiltshire, UK. Hi, John and Adam. Here's some money for fuel. Keep up the excellent work. Lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, then a couple of uh, PR mentions. Oh, by the way, of course, we want to thank our uh, executive producers and associate ex- executive producers for contributing to the show. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Got to reprogram that in your brain, obviously. Uh, here we go. Uh, we've got, uh, this is actually quite interesting. This is from James, who runs uh, Vajazzling.com. Remember uh, the Vajazzling uh, Yeah, the vibe? fad that never really took off. Yeah. I'm writing to request for some karma, also to announce my latest PR effort for No Agenda. So here's what's going on. A site that I spent over two years developing, which I would rather not mention. <clears throat> I think it's one of these sites that uh, has uh, dubious content that people like to look at if you're, uh, if you're hiding uh, jihadist documents. Had its content stolen and posted on uh, on some other Blogspot, uh, Google-owned Blogspot websites, the content thief has been traced to somewhere in China and has posted at least 20 or more similar sites, all with my content. This has oh, caused yeah. my Google rankings to tank. As a result, my income has dropped about 90%. I spent about two months filling out cr- crappy forms and trying to get Google to shut these sites down, but Google will not help. Uh, and it's impossible to get a hold of a real uh, human being. So we'd like some karma for that. I'd like to do that first of all and then give you the PR. You've got karma. So what I've done, uh, since this idiot in China is pulling the images directly from my server, I've decided to change the image to No Agenda Show Art. And he sends some links to all of these stolen yeah, websites. Hilarious. And it's like, it's all No Agenda. It's great. Good idea, by the way. Really good idea. Love that. So thank you, James. Hope the karma helps. Uh, another uh, couple of domain names that are forwarding to noagendashow.com. AlqaedaIPO.com. Yes, it couldn't get any more uh, au courant. So AlqaedaIPO.com now pointing to noagendashow.com. Then we have uh, the No Agenda Donation guy who's always been there to help us out. Uh, <coughs> please go to noagendadonation.com. He has uh, buttons, uh, clear buttons, no text. All money is directed to our PayPal links. And uh, this is a great banner. You can go and get it from there, and you can uh, stick it on one of your Chinese stolen websites as well. Appreciate that. (coughs) I'm still getting over the head cold. And then finally, this is beautiful. And I don't know how... It's one thing to be in Wikipedia. It's another thing to be in the Urban Dictionary. And, of course, we're already in the Urban Dictionary, uh, although not mentioned by name with In the Morning. There's another new entry. The entry is for Adios Mofo. (laughs) <laughs> in the Urban Dictionary, a popular sign-off when closing for television interviews or podcasts. The phrase originally became an internet sensation after Texas Governor Rick Perry used the phrase as a sign-off, closing goodbye to a television reporter. During the hype for Perry's speculation of running for U.S. president in two- 2012, it was used by a popular podcast, No Agenda, with Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. The phrase generally means goodbye, mother... <laughs> This phrase is the exact opposite of in the morning. Adios, mofo. <laughs> I think that's awesome to be in the uh, Urban Dictionary, and that's good. We need more of our memes in there. Yeah. I, I mean, is it that easy to submit? Is no one watching what's going on over there? We got one for uh, the Dvorak Uncensored blog called Embiggen. Oh, Embiggen is how you make uh, the picture bigger, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. That got in. All right, so we thank our uh, our producers. Of course, we have more Hot Pockets producers to thank uh, in a little bit. And uh, also thanks to Patrick uh, 
Coble to William Arcand, our executive producers, Joseph Frost, uh, 328, and executive producer Brian Barrow, uh, who is a uh, associate executive producer. Again, we highly appreciate all of your support for the program. Dvorak.org slash N-A. And everyone else out there who just wants to help as you're getting by, you can do one thing with our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Say it like you mean it, everybody! Shut up, Steve. So, Johnny Boy, I'm uh, still in the RV. Yeah? And uh, we're still on the road with this uh, Hot Pockets 2008 tour. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. <laughs> I don't think that this is the best publicity we've ever had for the show. You should just stay on the road. You don't like it in L.A. anyway. <laughs> Uh, you know, if the donations don't move up, it's going to be what all about about all I can afford is an RV. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's a start. Have Maybe you ever you seen buy that one? Have you ever seen the 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 Lucy show, the Ricky Ricardo Lucy O'Ball, uh, the long long trailer? Have you ever seen that? I think I put it in the show notes. It's an episode about an hour and a half, and they buy a mobile home, and it's hilarious because it is Adam and Mickey in the mobile home. It is us. In fact, I'm even going. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's really. I, uh, it's a good episode. I vaguely remember that. It's a very very funny episode. You know, the, everything that happens in that show has pretty much. You know, we park on the hill and stuff is. It's like a bump in my head. Everything is in it. It's really good. So anyway, last time we spoke, John, I was uh, in the uh, thousand degree heat of Nashville, Tennessee, and after the show, we had our Nashville meetup, and this was in uh, the Big Bang Bar, where Jeff Smith performs every single, I think almost every single night, uh, which is great. Uh, We had a fantastic time. People came in from Memphis, uh, and you know, a lone squirrel who does these fantastic remixes of uh, every No Agenda episode, he uh, came in from Paducah. Paducah, Kentucky. And you know what? He, so he brought me a, a bag with Paducah on it. And you know what was in the bag? Blanket. Paducah. 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 In the bag, he had blankets and water. And I have to say, <laughs> that meetup was the most original meetup we've done to date. Uh, Dave Selden, and I think it's Dave and his lovely wife, Deb, uh, they had uh, made like 20 tinfoil hats. But, like, really good ones with, like, you know, little antennas on it and shit. Oops, sorry. Didn't mean to say that. And so we were all wearing our tinfoil hats. They had uh, brownies, Rice Krispie treats, all with little Hot Pockets, no agenda trivia questions on little baggies. And it was it was just absolutely outstanding. Um, and I think we had probably 28, 29 people there. Uh, Jeff Smith, the Jeff Smith, Sir Jeff, created a brand new song, which I think uh, on the pre-show you heard just the tail end of it, Living the American Dream. Did you hear any of that or not? Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. It's a beautiful song. I heard song. him do it. I, I, it's on YouTube, too. Yeah. You should have a link to it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I have it linked in my blog post uh, and also on the HotPockets2008.com website. Uh, really, really good. And uh, it was it was just a beautiful evening. We had uh, tons of fun uh, talking with, and, and I think our one black listener showed up, and of course I promptly forgot his name. 
Um, so it was nice, and he's like, "Yeah, man, you guys are the best. You're right on it. I'm I'm representing my community." <laughs> yeah, and it was just it was awesome. It was a really, really, really good meetup. And as I said, extremely creative. Vicky Pool was there, who has been a supporter, a five dollar supporter for years. It was just uh, fantastic. And we'll have a couple of uh, Hot Pockets producers to thank uh, later on. And then the next day, um, Ms. Mickey had decided that in order to stay on schedule, we were to drive nine hours to Illinois. Nine hours of driving. This was quite a haul, uh, I can uh, tell you. Not an easy trip. Particularly because, uh, no offense to Kentucky, but the minute you, you get out of Tennessee and you hit Kentucky, the road changes right there. Into like this horrible gray, you know, yellow looking slabs of concrete that every five seconds is And then we hit Illinois, which is a pretty big state, I find. So can you do what you're saying is a Kentucky roads are crap? Yeah. Kentucky roads crap. It literally it's like going to like California roads, you're saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. No uh, California roads. No- Alabama roads are unbelievably nice and yeah, some of these uh, other yeah we've had some nice. Uh, we were we only went through Alabama briefly on a previous uh, leg, and then we hit Illinois. And in Illinois, you go through. You know, have you seen Food Inc.? Have you seen that documentary? Yeah, it must have been filmed there because all it is, it's all GM corn, and it's just miles and miles of it. And every, I don't know, I'd say every two hundred feet, there's a sign. It's like Agrigo Miracle Corn, <laughs> you know, Beck Super Stuff. It's like, it's well, unbelievable. They put, they put signage up as though, like, it's a winery? Yeah, exactly. Like, you can select which gen- genetically modified corn you want. Wow. And, and then that'll be separated by one of those chicken coops, those really long, low buildings that have no windows where the chickens are just shot up with crap. And it was it was depressing. Mickey took some pictures. I think they, uh, she put them, might have put them up on the Facebook and MickeySees.com. Um, but yeah, it's uh, every, every single uh, a couple hundred yards is like another sign. Like here's uh, oh this an agrigro miracle stuff great tasting. <laughs> you just Google some of that. It's like wow okay wow. yeah <clears throat> yeah just like a winery. And then uh, we got in around eight thirty. Uh, super producers, I have to say, um, Chuck and Dana, the lovely two boys, uh, Charlie and Carson. Uh, it was the funniest thing. So they were out on the street with their the car with the headlights flashing, and he was like, had two flashlights, like you know, like we're in seven forty seven in for a for a de- yeah, bringing in for a landing. terminal for yeah. a seven forty seven the terminal exactly. So we rolled in here, parked in the driveway, hooked up, and uh, it's been so fantastic. They had a nice, uh, a great guest room for us, uh, our own bathroom, and they've been such wonderful hosts. Um, you know, they have the, uh, the 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 harp of karma here. Their boys are just fantastic. There's you know like two brothers that get along. You know, really, really sweet boys, and and without a leash, I might add, it's really good. And last night uh, they broke out the techniques turntables, and we had a dance party and uh, something I hadn't done in twenty years. I was remix, I was mixing songs, vinyl. Yeah, Chuck's got all the vinyl here. And uh, tonight we have our meetup here in Inverness, Illinois, and uh, we're expecting another good crowd to uh, stop by. Now, unfortunately, we couldn't go to Wisconsin; it just didn't work out anymore in the in the travel schedule. I believe there are a couple of people driving from Wisconsin, and we're only thirty miles from Chicago. So, uh, yeah, they, actually, a drive from Wisconsin is not unusual. No, it's not that bad. So, some folks are coming from Wisconsin, um, uh, others from Illinois. Uh, and uh, and of course uh, Chicago, the cent- the epicenter of evil. 
And uh, that's what's uh, taking place here. And then tomorrow we drive to Cleveland. To where? Cleveland? Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland Rocks. Yeah, Cleveland Rocks, uh, home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we'll actually be setting up camp there for a couple of days as I have to... Uh, a corrupt institution, by the way. Oh, I am uh, on board with the fact that uh, why isn't uh, uh, Cat Scratch Fever Ted Nugent in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, it's totally corrupt. It used to be cool. Uh, when, before there was a building, when they had the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame dinners at the Waldorf. That was always cool, but then it got... It, like everything, it gets commercialized and it's crap. No good. But ABBA's in. Yeah, ABBA. Yeah, that's, that's some rock and roll for you. Does your mother know? Do, 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 do. So uh, we're still rolling it. And then after that, I think we're going to, after Cleveland, we go to Boston, then we go to New York, and um, then we are back in the D.C. area. Are you coming out, John? Everybody wants to know if you're going to make the rap party. I'm still, uh, I'm still researching <laughs> yeah, I, it. I'm, tr- I'm trying to make it. Shall I just tell you one thing? It's, uh, and I, I, you know, I, whenever I get emotional on the show, you don't want to hear about it. But if you exactly. actually, yeah, if you For actually, reason. yeah, if you actually met some of the producers who are out here and see what this show is achieving, you would cry. I've cried many times in my sleep, but also privately, just at the beauty of all these people who are awake, uh, see what's happening, and actually, without them even really realizing probably, are all in positions to change things dramatically in this world with one command line. <laughs> one execution on the command line. So, it's, just, it's, it's really nice, John, and, and I, I miss you dearly. Uh, particularly on these meetups, I mean, you I never see I, me anyway. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. I'd, I'd never want you near the RV or anywhere near me in general, but... On these meetups, it it feels bad. It doesn't feel right to be the only one, you know, that that's witnessing how cool this is and and, and what we're doing and and how where we we are making a difference, one lone wolf at a time. It's it's very nice to see, and okay. I, and you would you would really, you know, we know that you have a really big heart secretly, and then the, uh, until the knock on the door, <laughs> yeah, well, then then there's that. Uh, just a quick throwback uh, to our call last... Back. You keep saying throwback. You should be saying callback. I want throwback. Okay, callback. Sorry. And so much for the emotional heartwarming part of the show. We're back to regular business as usual. <laughs> callback to the previous program. The show is program. not about heartwarming. <laughs> callback to the previous program. Uh, Congress did indeed authorize a version of the FAA reauthorization bill. I guess... Uh, they figured that uh, Ray LaHood hadn't done his job, that the uh, reporters were on to it, and here's what happened. They, they, so they basically kicked this can down the road until September 17th, and then we'll, ha- we'll see. Basically, all television shows are on hiatus, and someone said, look, why are we doing this now? No one's watching TV. No one cares. They're all on vacation. It's the wrong time to roll out these episodes. Let's do it in September when the fall season starts. So the Senate agreed to a House-passed version of a temporary extension of the FAA reauthorization bill, which included, here it is, a rider provision that would cut government subsidies to the 13 rural airports. However, Ray LaHood can issue waivers to those airports, allowing the subsidies to continue. So they did exactly what the reporters were hounding LaHood about, is uh, the president said, okay, 
you know, get your waivers so we can put these people back to work and we'll fight about the union thing another time. September. So um, it'll be a mid-season replacement. Temporarily on hold this uh, crisis reality show, Your Government in Crisis Part 2. So and maybe we had something to do with it. Maybe it was like, oh man, Curry and Dvorak are talking about us again. Uh, let's have a meeting. What are we going to do? You uh, wish. Yeah, I do. So, um, well, I got a couple of clips that can change the pace. Nice. I got one clip that was kind of interesting. I was uh, channel surfing and I ran into this uh, religious guy who's bug-eyed and crazy. And as soon as I heard him, I had to make this little clip. There's only one clip for people out there who have followed who follow the tech scene and are very familiar with Steve Ballmer's onstage antics. Oh, I found the guy developers, got, developers, developers. I found a guy who he got it from. Just tell me this isn't Steve Ballmer. Nada. It was over. It was done with. It was finished. <laughs> he wasn't going out to another church to preach another message. He was in jail for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> Ballmer's like, hey, that's a good rap. I should try that. <laughs> That's it's, good. I mean, it sounds like him. He looks like it doesn't look like him because he has hair, but he. Uh, That's good. Which is <laughs> wow. That is good. I like it. So did you know that you know the way one of my pet peeves is the fact that they're 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 throwing people who pee in the park in with the same with yeah sex of, sex offenders yeah. Well, did you know that now that annoying a minor in California yeah is a sex offense. Just play this clip. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I annoy my daughter all the time. Well, you're going to be on a list, boy. Well, the well-publicized trial in the South Bay is now over. The Las Gatas mother, accused of having sex with a 16-year-old boy, has been found not guilty. But she still could go to jail. A jury found Sarah Cole not guilty of two felony counts of unlawful sex with one of her son's good friends. <laughs> but Cole was convicted of a misdemeanor for annoying or molesting a minor. That means she'll have to register as a sex offender for life and could serve time. So let me get this straight. If you yell at some kid, hey, get off my lawn, the kid can yell back, oh, yeah, old man, stop annoying me. You'll have to register. Just a little tidbit from the local news. And by the way, I, I, I think it's kind of cool if your mom uh, is so hot that your friends are having sex with her. <laughs> it's a mom with benefits. Yeah. <laughs> Dot com. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's Gitmo for you. Yeah, totally. Stole Gitmo. Gitmo Nation. Unbelievable. It's pretty crazy. So, uh, I have a, there's a new, this is going to go nowhere, but I'm listening to Thom Hartman. Uh, and he comes Thom. up with, he's got some guys, there's some guy that was apparently in some progressive movement criticizing the muslims which is against the rules and so hartman goes after him and then he makes a comment at the very end was he he has a new new wordage and you tell me if you have any idea what this means besides claiming that pretty much everything under the sun from president obama to david petraeus to even cpac has been subverted by the muslim brotherhood gaffney now thinks that brevik himself was an agent of the muslim brotherhood Speaking of Think Progress, Gaffney had this observation about Brevik's manifesto. 
it cries out for a thorough investigation as to whether it was in fact an authentic piece of his own creation, whether it was a false flag operation, uh, whether it actually was meant to do anything other than contribute to Sharia's efforts to suppress criticism and awareness of its agenda. Right. At a time when our nation should be learning from the violent consequences of Muslim fear-mongering, Gaffney spews more Muslim fear-mongering. It's a time to call Gaffney out for what he really is, and that's a st stochastic terrorist, which huh? is very, very ugly. <laughs> stochastic? Yeah, a stochastic terrorist. What does that mean? Well, I'll, I'm reading, I'll read you the definition from the wiki. Okay. Stochastic uh, refers to systems whose behavior is intrinsically non-deterministic. A uh, lone so, wolf, you mean? It's kind of like a lone wolf thing, isn't well, it? Well, but non-deterministic means he's just... I think it, what, he, what he's trying to say is means he makes it up as he goes along. Or just trying to be, just to be a terrorist just because he can I'm not sure. It doesn't mean it, the fact of the matter is this new term, this stochastic terrorist, is some bullcrap that this idiot, you know, on Russia Today would come up with that means nothing to anybody, but it sounds kind of intellectual. Hmm. Thong. I was Thong. I was just shaking my heads over that one. That, that the guy's show is almost unwatchable now. Speaking of the uh, the Brevik uh, Oslo shooting, talk about your timing. So yeah, it's like. How can we monopolize on this? How can... Hmm, let's have capitalize. a meeting. Capitalize. Yeah, capitalize. The gun he used was a Ruger LC9 uh, with gun sight... With gun sight... It was the gun sight scout rifle from Ruger. And once again, just a couple days after this happened, and I'm reading from the press release... The industry has once again, once again recognized Ruger for the high-quality, innovative product designs <laughs> that we have produced in direct response to our Voice of the Customer program, said President and CEO Mike Pfeiffer, as they received Gun of the Year Award <laughs> for the Ruger that shot these kids. So it was a Ruger LC9. It's a pocket pistol. Yeah, but I guess it had the... Um, he had a pistol. He had a pistol. He had a rifle. But I think I think this is the it has the snap on bits. It's a really small gun. Yeah, handgun of the year. Huh. For a record setting seven times total, demonstrating our transition to the leading American handgun manufacturer. Good job. How about a lesson in timing? <laughs> well, that was pretty crazy. I thought Ruger was a German gun. I I thought so too, but apparently it's an American gun. There were some riots in uh, East London yesterday. I don't know if you caught that. Did no, you? they don't play any of that stuff. I was I was watching the BBC stuff, and I could they they're, they're just basically talking about Libya. Oh, really? Well, there was, uh, and in fact, this it happened in Tottenham, home of the Tottenham Spurs, and I think it was a um, was it Indian or Pakistani or you know a brown person, twenty uh, nine year old kid basically got killed by police officers on Thursday, and uh, I guess the, let me, I should, I should, I, it's, it's kind of new to me, this, uh, this, all this information, uh, but the police had not anticipated any extreme violence, 
and uh, there were like lighting cars on fire, Molotov cocktails, and the media is is literally just like, oh, you know, it's uh, it's not that it's not that big a deal. That people are a little upset, but the slaves are revolting big time. And of course, this will all be blamed on austerity measures eventually, and this. Uh, ugh. But uh, no It'll coverage. It'll be blamed on the Tea Party. Yeah, <laughs> the Tea Party. That's pretty funny. I, I I watch people I respect writing about the Tea Party and like you know they're evil, they're horrible, they're soulless. <laughs> it's just amazing to me. It, you know, it's like, and they're all from Texas. And they're the all Tea Party is hardly anybody from Texas. A. Uh, I think there's eleven. Eleven from Texas. Whatever the case is, there's some tea partiers everywhere. I mean, but they, they just associate with a smaller government movement, and it's like they're, they're, all these attributions are given to them racist, and they're this, and they're that. Oh, yeah. They hate Obama because the he's they black. Nation hostage. Yeah. Yeah. They hate Obama because he's black. You know, it's funny, but entire months go by, I don't think about that. <laughs> Seriously. Like, what? Are you, are you kidding me? No, uh, well, they're succeeding. The left-right paradigm—that's one thing that's uh, that I think is real. It's really working. There's something else. Uh, this is something that uh, the producers here in uh, Inverness told me about, and I've been trying to look this up. Have you heard of No Excuses University? Nope. So No Excuses University, and if you uh, if you go look at their website. Um, it's unclear where their funding is coming from, but they are handing out $250,000 grants to schools, etc. How it works <clears throat> is uh, a school, and, and we're talking um, third graders. Third graders. And the whole idea is a guy comes in and he talks to the human resources about going to college. No excuses, you should be going to college. But the way it's done is, and of course, this material I don't have, although I'm waiting on a videotape, which I can't wait to post, because uh, someone uh, filmed one of these in secret, is the guy then shows a PowerPoint presentation to third graders. How old is a third grader, John? I don't know. Like nine? Eight? Nine, maybe. Something like that? Eight. Nine. Yeah, eight or nine. Eight. Yeah, advertising. And uh, on it, it says, if, if you go to college, here's the car you can have. If you don't go to college and they show like a beat up Toyota Supra, this is the car you'll have. And they get these kids into this whole chanting thing and chanting. Yeah, let me play an example. It's from their own website. This is literally, and they all have the same shirts on, and they're all doing these chants about the university they want to go to. This is what they're being taught by this No Excuses University. So, yeah, a nice little uh, band music in the background on this clip they put on their own website. 
So I'm like, okay, I got to look into this organization. And of course, there's zero information uh, about where they're from. But this really, it, uh, from what I understand, all this comes from Chicago. Uh, does come from this area. It's all around the country. Yeah, it looks like a Chicago-based operation. Yeah. This is what I'm digging as you speak. So uh, they have this character training. And I'm sorry. First, we have the No Excuses Code of Conduct. This is what these kids are taught by outside consultants coming into the schools, which the administrations willfully let in. There are no excuses. And no matter what, we'll get the kids where they need to go. The No Excuses program also has a code of conduct. Students are rewarded for being safe, responsible, and respectful. So it's all in good fun when it comes to a friendly in-state rivalry. IU versus Butler, who's better? IU. Butler. IU. IU. Butler. IU. Butler. IU. Teachers say it doesn't matter who they're rooting for, as long as it gets them one step closer to a diploma. Laura Kirtley. All right. Now here's the one that kind of frightened me. This is the character training. They get character training. And, of course, it's not just the little human resources, who at this point are still worth about $9 million over their lifetime. It's what the teachers are being taught as to how to mm, manipulate these human resources to be good little slaves. Check this out. Happens to be the word of the month this month. It's like somebody drops something, then you could pick it up for them. It's all part of character education, which teachers say improves learning. Oh my gosh, I think it makes such a difference in, in children, in their security, in their comfort level. In I think it gives them confidence. They become better leaders. And, oh, it's, and then their academics improve. The coordinator says character is embedded in everything students do, from their character garden to their commitment to go to a university, based in part on a book outlining seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got books. They hand out books. Well, that's well, what, like, yeah, that's what is a character garden, by the way? Really? Uh, character garden? What are you, here's some carrots, a good character. Character. I guess they'd look for a carrot that's shaped like a human body. Well, listen, listen to what's coming. Be proactive. To be responsible and to listen to people. Begin with the end in mind. You have to plan ahead and set goals. Put first things first. I always do my homework first and then I play. Think win-win. It puts confidence into other people's emotional bank accounts. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. To listen to people. Sharpen the saw. It means to exercise and um, it means to stay, stay healthy. So then, so then you won't be lazy and like you can't, and then you can't do work. <laughs> this is great. It's cute. <laughs> it gets better. And finally, synergize means to work together with other people. Even it's that synergy that students, teachers, and parents feel gave them a win-win. We pull win, together. Win. Now listen, listen to this. Listen, listen. We're like a family. Okay, that's a kind act too. What else could be kind? People here care. What else, Nathaniel? Another example of how character is instilled instead of detention. Students have a character violation for which they write a rethinking letter. Oh, character violation, child. Write your rethinking letter. Ow. Oh. Character violation. Mrs. Mrs. Appleby, he committed a character violation on me. Ah, rethinking letter. <laughs> this is not, this cannot be good. 
Okay, so this guy started a turnaround school. His name Damon Lopez. Yeah, that's the guy. And he's also apparently involved in some uh, Project More and some other things. And he works everything works around the six exceptional system. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, which is basically very cult like. You think? <laughs> so I'm assuming that there's some sort of training, and people who are old enough to know this, you know, the. Uh, well, there's a whole slew of these things, starting with Est, of course. But these, uh, these train uh, Scientology actually kind of went in this direction. But they 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 went off in a in a religious, uh, they went off into a religious direction and didn't stay stay with this with these things like Est used to have, which is the Earhart sensitivity training, all mm. based on uh, you know these these kind of long meetings and these rules and these crazy ideas that. Uh, um, that were propagated throughout the uh, mostly in the in the seventies and eighties, but they're still very effective methods of brainwashing people. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, it's not good, and it's all coming from Chicago. You know, there's a woman who wrote the uh, the dumbing down of America. We've got to revisit that. I uh, actually, uh, super producer uh, Chuck has her book. The thing is huge. You know, there's like a PDF floating around that she put out. Yeah, and you read that, and you're like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." But the book Ugh. that she wrote is John. You, I mean, we should read this book. It's like Atlas Shrugged. That's how big it is. But it's she is every single detail of how this is being done, and you know this because you were a uh, weren't you like a a book distributor or who was it? Tell that story again about someone who said that they're they're creating these textbooks to make our kids stupid on purpose. I never said that. Yes, you did. Oh, well, I may have said it, but I'm not. No, I've never been a. No, I don't know. You're thinking of somebody else. No, no. You once told me that you would talk to a guy, and the guy said, "Yeah, these textbooks are all. It's all meant to to purposely dumb down the kids." Well, whatever it was, whatever I said, it's I've true. Sense taken aside, <laughs> given two two zaps, a couple of electrical jolts, and I've long since forgotten the exact story. Okay. Well, anyway, caught me off guard. Sorry. But yeah, well, duh. Okay, well, we have to follow this. There's something fishy about yeah, this. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's disturbing. Very, very they disturbing. They like to get into the schools, these, these organizations, yeah, so yeah. they can but the, the, but the teachers, the but, public. But you look at the teachers, and they're all into it, and like, yeah, this is great. Let's have the kids chant and write character letters and whatever. Huh? Hey, you, uh, you test drove a couple of those battery cars, didn't you? Yeah. Do you know how the many... The report will be coming out shortly for 99 cents. <laughs> well, uh, add this to your report. Uh, the July sales numbers are out for the Chevy Volt. How many do you think General Motors sold of this great car that is turning around this company? Well, they actually don't make that many of them, so the, the, these numbers are elusive, but it's about 4,000, something like that. 125. Oh, I thought it was 3,500. No. No, no, no. They produced in total 5,000, but they sold 125 in July. In March, 281. That thing's a total dog. No one's buying this. <laughs> That's funny. And I saw Rahm Emanuel uh, introducing the president at his birthday party in Chicago, the $38,500 birthday party, to see, what is it, the, the Go2Go band? Remember those guys who were on the... Uh, uh, on the treadmills, they had that cool video. Yeah, Th that was the entertainment. Thirty-eight, Jeez. thirty-eight grand. 
I see wow. these douchebags on on treadmills, really. And so Emmanuel's there saying, this president did all the hard stuff, and he actually, you know, he, he turned around the car industry, and they paid back all their loans. Yeah, by taking out new loans with lower interest rates. All they did was kick the can down the, what was it again? Kick the can, kick down, the can the down the block. What yep. did they say? Keep yep. saying, which is the meme. Kick the can. Kick the can. Kick the can. Ugh. And uh, meanwhile, we've got uh, now announcing they will be selling genetically modified sweet corn for human consumption later this year. Mm, yum. Yum. I used to make corn on the cob. I'm not such a big fan of it anymore, if you don't mind. How did you make? You mean you cooked corn on the cob? Yeah, it gets so technical on my butt. Oh, by the way, little food uh, foodie alert. When we drove from Nashville to Inverness, uh, in a place called Effingham, which is Effingham, Effingham, yes, yeah, Effingham okay. is at the crossroads between uh, Interstate 24 and Interstate 57. There's actually a, a big cross, a huge cross, which is apparently some kind of monument. You can find it at CrossUSA.org, <coughs> and Effingham is known as the Crossroads of Opportunity. Uh, and it's and it's basically a huge truck stop. There's nothing but you know pilot truck stop, uh, BP, Exxon, and then if you drive, and this was a tip from one of our producers, if you drive off the beaten path about five minutes, you get to a place called the Fire Firefly Grill, which is a an outstanding restaurant with corn, uh, grass fed uh, beef. They've got just killer, I mean, the food was outrageous. It's a gem. If you ever find yourself at the crossroads of opportunity, go to the Firefly Grill. We had such a lovely lunch there. It was really, that, that's the beauty of driving with, uh, with it, some version of internet connectivity. And people are tweeting you all kinds of things to look at and stop off at. It's really, it was cool. It was really nice. They have their own website, ffgrill.com. Yep, that's right. Um, so should we, uh, thank some uh, producers or not, not quite time, just, just about time. I think maybe I can, uh, just bring you up to date on what, uh, Lucifer is doing as Lucifer had a press conference. Uh, for those of you who are new to the program, Lucifer is, uh, our <clears throat> pet name for Hillary Clinton. She did a pro- one of those press conferences where she comes out laughing. <laughs> and this time is with uh, minister of foreign affairs Baird from Canada. And they both had some choice words. I probably have to boost this audio. Hold on a second. Let me just add a little boost. They both had some uh, very choice words to say about uh, our favorite country, which we're going to get to next, which is uh, Syria. Well, first, as to the follow-up on uh, Syria, I think I've said all I can say that uh, we are working uh, around the clock to try to Um, gather up as much international support for strong actions against uh, the Syrian uh, regime as possible. Hmm, strong actions as possible. What could that mean, John? What do you think? Should we go in there and kick some ass? on the ground. Yeah, kick some ass. I come from the school that actions speak louder than words. (laughs) Actions speak louder than words. We're coming to kick your ass aside. <laughs> uh, here's a Baird. Obviously, uh, the United Nations Security Council passed uh, Resolution uh, 1973, 
which gave a significant amount of leeway for uh, allies to come together and to uh, tackle the challenge that uh, we saw uh, on the ground. We're there very actively protecting civilian lives. Uh, the uh, situation in Syria, uh, the actions of the Assad regime are obviously abhorrent. Abhorrent! The way, uh, uh, the way they've, uh, they've acted in recent weeks and months, uh, even in uh, the last uh, 48 hours in Hama, is absolutely disgraceful. Uh, uh, regrettably, we don't have the same uh, amount of international support at the UN for this, so I think in the absence of that, what we've got to continue to do is to work with uh, like-minded allies. Uh, there's not a... Uh, there's no country, I think, who can single-handedly tackle this challenge. Uh, we've got to work uh, aggressively with others. I think recently, Jeez, Canada... What is uh, wrong yeah. with this guy? He's dead. He's brain dead. But he's he's getting the talking points out, which is, uh, regrettably, we don't have uh, a resolution like 1973, which we had in uh, Libya, to go in and uh, shoot hellfire at uh, brown people. Uh, regrettably. Oh, so regrettable. Oh, I wish we could go kill some people. Regrettably, we can't do that. Uh, but we're we're going to get all our international partners together. We're going to get it done. So uh, that's some uh, some obvious uh, saber rattling going on there. Well, before we go to the donors, mm-hmm. uh, I might as well play the competition's uh, pitch. Uh, oh. PBS uh, has a. Oh boy! I watched this uh, woman. You know, they they try to palm off these weekend uh, little donation pledge moments. Uh, where they take one of the guys who's got some syndicated show and they try to palm it off as though it's local and oh, they're not right. even trying anymore to make it. They just say your local station. They don't even have the other guy come in and go, okay, cool, good. They don't, they don't <laughs> even bother. <laughs> what, uh, what clip is this? G Gong on PBS. This is the latest thing. They got some guy, some, some buffed looking character who does essentially a version of Tai Chi <laughs> on PBS and talks about the, the, the about the, and all this mystical bullcrap, which is <laughs> which is beaten to death on PBS, where they instead of having anything that's based on science or or even traditional religion, they come up with these crazy notions and they promote them to these dummies who watch this stuff. Well, it's my pleasure to welcome back to our studios Lee Holden. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Such yeah. a pleasure. This is your fourth show. <laughs> it's my fourth show, and it's an honor to be here. I love public television love. and what it does for our community. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of think of Qigong as something healthy for our bodies, and and public television is something really healthy for the community. So it's a healthy it's for our minds and spirits. Yeah. It's all together. <laughs> It's all together for mind and spirit. It actually makes you a better person. You know who else loves uh, public uh, public media? Harry Reid. We turn now to the Senate Majority Leader, Harry Reid, a Democrat of Nevada. Mr. Reid, thank you very much for making time for us. It's really my pleasure. Love NPR. Love NPR. I love NPR. <laughs> what a stooge. Yeah, really. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Uh, uh, in the morning. There you go. Mark Fusco in San Antonio, Texas. want to thank him for uh, contributing $133.70 to the cause. Hey, John and Adam, another contribution to the cause. It was great to see Adam and Mickey in Austin. When you move here, you'll need to make a trip down to San Antonio to see all the great human resources here. Needing some karma for my mother. You've got karma. She's having her third bout with treatable cancer, but not curable this time. So we're in need of some some karma. You just got it. And that is... uh, Hey, you know, you know, I just want to say again, how come then no world leaders ever have uh, third bouts with cancer? They got some Chavez fix somewhere, did. bastards. 
Chavez? Yeah, well, no, Chavez is on the hit list. Of course. Yeah. So he's got uh, 1337wine.com. Hope those uh, 1337 wine stickers are on some toll booths. Yes, we've been posting them. Got to put some more stickers on toll booths. Yeah, we have been posting them. Uh, We only hit two toll roads so far on the trip. Uh, I put it on the toll booth collector's forehead. (laughs) Hey! And I've rolled up at the toll. There's a toll road when you get up here in Inverness. And it's, you know, it's like cash and you have to go off on a separate exit and it's like car is one dollar so I, I i rolled on the window and the woman goes you're not a car it's 150 i'm like oh i was trying to sneak it by you <laughs> idiot john johnson jr troy new york 111 dollars 11 cents in the morning john and adam had a strange dream last night where the duchess pulled up alongside me while i was waiting to line up to use the atm at my bank i'm on the five dollar per month plan but if there's ever a sign I needed to make an extra donation, this was it. It Congratulations on successfully burrowing into my subconscious mind. Oh, yeah. You know how we do that, don't you? Dvorak.org slash N-A. Adam Duke, Colby, Isle of Man, $108 in the morning, John Nadd, which is, I think, this is the Isle of Man is in uh, Get Monation East, yeah. So yeah. he donate, really donated two pounds. In the morning, Adam and John, I've been listening to the show for a couple of years now, and with uh, today being my 30th birthday, I think it's time to become an official part of the No Agenda family. I know you're both avid numerologists, so I've given you a sacred number to keep that karma bell ringing loud and the feds away from Adam's door. Well, let me let me ring the bell then, just to make sure. i got to figure out the number. You've got karma. How 108. Can, oh yeah, how can 108 be? Is that a sacred number? I don't know. Many thanks to your special brand of analysis, humor, and insight is the only dynamic duo can deliver. I appreciate a thorough de-douching and a spot of karma. Give them a double. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Brian Rogers, New York, New York, $77.77. Value for value, he says. Mike Potter in Lake St. Louis, Missouri. A karma request for his new tugboat named paver <laughs> tug away you've got karma <laughs> nothing like some tug karma good old dame tanya of new york uh <laughs> for the hot pockets 2008 gas fund hope this helps a bit with the second leg of the tour and karma for yellow jacket so, yeah he needs some karma david rudolph baker in groningen bucker bucker is it bucker yeah in groningen in Groningen. 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 Yeah, close. So agenda pad stand. Yeah, iPad, iPad stand. iPad stand. iPad stand. We've sold zero so far. Oh, this is no good. No agenda iPad stand.com. You've got karma. It's because he got the wrong domain name. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good. Did he get the right one now? I don't know. $66.66, all for the same amount from Robert Messick in Santa Cruz, California. And then the No Agenda Groupie in Amsterdam has a note for us, a $65 level. Uh, Yeah, hold on a second. I'm sorry. Uh, I have it right here. Uh... (laughs) Did you just fart? (laughs) Okay, this is to restore my eyesight. Last Sunday... And a groupie says she got into a freak accident with her bike. Uh, now, this is something you may have seen in Gitmo Nation Lowlands. Uh, they have a uh, something called a snell binder or bike spider, which is a, basically a really thick elastic band which goes over the baggage carrier. 
And uh, it's it's connected. It's a bungee cord. Yeah, it's a bun- yeah. You have bungee cords. You have made of rubber. There's different kinds. So it was stretched to the max. One side got loose, whipped the left side of her face, hurting her eye. Ow. Yeah, she had no eyesight at the time, but it has now improved to sixty five percent. Hence the uh, the sixty five dollar donation. Um, two, I'm also looking for a job. Got a temp job at a hospital till mid-September. Three, she says, I need an apartment. I'm still living like a student or like Anne Frank. Oh, God. In a studio apartment of 25 square meters, which is um, about uh, 75 square feet in an attic in Amsterdam. So, yes, NA Groupie will give you some mega karma, my dear. You've got karma. And appreciate the support of the show and hope everything works out. And uh, be careful for those spiders. Also, uh, Daniel Hutner in Murphy's, California. Sir Daniel, actually. Uh, Danny Meadows. hit double nickels on the dime from him. D- Danny Meadows and Joshua Brickner from Stockbridge, Georgia, in Loveland, Colorado, $50 each. And I want to mention that we have, uh, uh, at the No Agenda Nation, we do have uh, three, three, three commemorative coins that are now being uh, minted oh. by Eric the Shill. Oh, and, really? And he will be... Um, I, I don't know. I'd actually go look at what they're selling for. I think they're 35 bucks or something like that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's a 333 three coin for 35 bucks? I don't know. Maybe it's 40 bucks, 50 bucks. I don't no, know. It should be 33. Well, maybe it's more. It's maybe you could, you could talk them into lowering it. Whatever the case is, uh, these are will be for all your collectors of the No Agenda coins. This will be the third or fourth coin I think that's been floating around, and it's uh, probably very, uh, very collectible like the rest of them. I have a whole uh, a bunch of knickknacks that I've been collecting on my mantle. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite interesting what we've managed to produce. Oh yeah, it's uh, anyway, forty four dollars and forty four cents. Okay, well that's good. That 20... also commemorates four 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 four. Anyway, yeah. the. Um, the uh, noagendanation.com is also where you can go to the donation page besides Dvorak.org slash NA and channeldvorak.com slash NA and the No Agenda Show. It looks kind of, I'm looking at it, it looks, it looks kind of nice. In order alinium isera, hit him in the mouth in Latin on the back. It has a velvet display box. And, uh, yeah, nice. August 21st, 2011, which will be episode 333. It looks nice. And, cool. and Eric always overdoes it with the, you know, the display box will probably be pretty good, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and you have to, people out there, if you wanted to thank him for getting your original coins, you would have never gotten otherwise. You might want to pick up another one. Then we have a couple of Hot Pockets producers who I like to thank uh, personally, uh, who showed up to the meetups. Of course, uh, Patrick Coble, who became a knight, will be knighting him momentarily, $1,000. Dave Selden, uh, who uh, was kind enough to drive us back. Sir Jeff Smith picked us up. And, uh, and took us down to the big bar, the Big Bang Bar in Nashville. And Dave and his uh, wife uh, drove us back. It was great. Uh, $190. Appreciate that. Uh, we have Tori Hunter in the morning. John and Adam, please. Uh, oh, yes, for the we, You Will Obey jingle, which I don't have on. I don't have that on the Duchess. I'll have to That's get okay, I can do it. I can fake it. You will obey. <laughs> Please do that so the human resources will become donors instead of boners. Thank you for sharing time with your fans. May the rest of the journey be a blessing. Thank you so much. Uh, he gave us $100. Lone Squirrel, thank you for uh, showing up with the water and blankets. Hilarious. The blankets will come in handy, I'm sure. Did uh, you get the message? What's that? 
<laughs> Don't send your water. <laughs> I think he. I think that was part of the joke. Uh, Philip Welch uh, gave us uh, twenty dollars, and uh, I feel like a total douchebag. Uh, our our black listener from uh, Nashville. It was funny. I took a picture. One guy came by, and uh, he had a, a horrible stutter. And then we had the black guy, and then me. And I was like, "Look at it! It's the Tourette's guy. It's the stutter and the black guy. We were the perfect mix." Yeah, we were like it the sounds triage. like something more likely run into in Memphis. <laughs> oh, please! It, we, it was a beautiful picture. It's up on the Facebook. I'm like, "Look at us! We're great! Look at us, degenerates! We're perfect!" <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much, guys and gals. Uh, it was great, and we look forward to uh, the meetup uh, this afternoon. Uh, kicks off at five o'clock in Inverness. Uh, you can find that on the uh, Facebook page, and um, of course, that is being organized by super producers Chuck and Dana. Really, uh, really cool what they're doing. And as John said, uh, we need the support to keep us rolling. Please don't listen to John about keeping us on the road. That would be horrible. In fact, get us off the road. Dvorak.org slash N-A Sorry, we've got uh, Black Knight, Sir Bill Arcand. He wants to uh, congratulate himself. His birthday tomorrow on 8-8, the magical wacky number day, according to the Chiners. Uh, so happy birthday, uh, Sir Black Knight, Bill Arcand. And Adam Duke, uh, he turns 30 today. Happy birthday on behalf of all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. And then we've got to do uh, two of these, John. I got my blade out here in the Duchess. If you could... Uh, hello, do you have yours? Yeah. There you go. Okay, perfect. Patrick uh, Coble, please step forward and extend your ring fingers as you get down on one knee. Both of you have supported the No Agenda podcast, the best podcast in the world, with up to $1,000 of support for the show. It is our value-for-value value model, and therefore we proudly pronounce thee as Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable, Sir Craig Porter and Sir Patrick Coble, Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable. Come on over, boys. Your hookers and blow are ready for you, or if you prefer, your Ren Boys and Chardonnay. This is what we appreciate, you, my friends. And, of course, this comes with responsibilities, as uh, you are now a knight, and you've got to do all kinds of uh, stuff when uh, called upon, uh, particularly if you work at uh, agencies with three letters, which is cool, extremely cool. I also want to say happy birthday to Larry in Waterbury, Connecticut, from his buddy Bill. Oh, nice. I'm sorry, was that something I was supposed to do that I... Uh did I miss that somehow? Well, if you open your email, you would have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. This is a little little ditty I picked up. This was actually on Democracy Now! Um, and the piece I'm going to play for you was not the piece where Democracy Now! used this to slam the Koch brothers, K-O-C-H, which is... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, what, a, what they normally do. Yeah, that's what they always do. But it was very interesting. It's about this thing called Alec. Are you familiar with Alec? Not really. Well, you should be. You're the one that uh, really turned it on, turned me on to it. Alec is. Uh, let me see if I can get the exact definition of Alec here. Hold on, I should probably uh, do the following. Consult the book of knowledge. Here, look for Alec. Alec what? Alec, A-L-E-C. Uh, it's the... Scottish um, form of Alex. No. American no. Legislative Exchange Council. No. It is the... 
You know what? The clip is the clip explains what it is. In 1980, Go. there were only a half a million people incarcerated in this country. Now that number has quadrupled to nearly 2.4 million. One out of every 100 American adults is in prison. The majority of them for nonviolent uh, drug offenses. Uh, you know, the United States has 4% of the world's population, but yet we have 25% of the world's prisoners in this country. And a big part of the reason for that is ALEC. Starting in the 1980s, ALEC, with the sponsorship of, you know, the Corruptions Corporation of America... And let me just remind people, ALEC is the American Legislative Exchange Council. Yeah, the, what I ALEC, said. the American Legislative Exchange Council, started passing bills in individual states to privatize prisons. So now, state, there's prison companies that could make money by keeping people in prisons. So then, Alec, what they did after that was right. they got states to pass uh, tougher like drug laws, tougher laws that would put prisoners away for a long time. In fact, one of the first bills rep introduced in 1995 by then Wisconsin State Representative Scott Walker was an Alec bill where he cited Alec statistics and he was an Alec member where he drew his inspiration. So they put a mass amount of people in jail and then they created a situation where they could exploit that. Um, and now what we're seeing is the incredible rise of prison labor where you have prisoners making as much as 20 cents an hour, making everything from uh, the electronic components and guided missiles that are being used in Libya to breaded chicken patties that your children are eating at school to fact maybe even these office chairs we're sitting in now. We have uh, over 100,000 prisoners employed working for private corporations. And before the 1990s and ALEC, this did not occur in this country. Is this a great country or what? Well, you know, this all stems from an article that ran in the nation that actually ran a couple of days ago. Yeah. Where they, of course, there's nothing this is, new. This, this is the guy go, who, yeah, this is the guy who wrote this article. Yeah, anyone can go to uh, the wiki, uh, the Book of Knowledge, or just the, the, the Google and type in prison, American U.S. prison labor. And the irony, irony to the whole thing to me is the fact that we're always accusing the Chinese, which have less, we have the most total people in prison and the most per capita. Yeah. And that includes China. Slaves! And, and essentially we use, that. we say, oh, the Chinese, they use slave labor. Don't do, they're using slave, cheap slave prison labor. We're the ones who do that. And it's always nice to point the finger and the Chinese, by the way, are nothing but irked about this because they know the facts. And every time we call, we call them on human rights violations, they're always just grinding their teeth, thinking, who are these people kidding to be calling us out? 20 yeah. cents. As much as 20 cents an hour. You know, that sounds like a pretty good gig right now. <laughs> 20 well, cents high, an There's hour. high employment at these in the prisoners. It's funny because when we were in um, Smithville driving around with Rhino the Bearded, there were these guys in these um, green striped suits helping people at the grocery store. And these were prisoners. And they, they bring your groceries out to the They're car. They're baggers? Yeah, baggers. And, and they take the bag out to the car. And Mickey, really? Mickey was like, what, what are those suits? <laughs> you, you should have gotten had what talked to one of them. Mm, somehow it didn't feel like a good idea. <laughs> she took a picture. I think one of them was on the Facebook page. That's with funny. It, you know those, uh, what was it, uh, remember, the, was it Juicy Fruit Gum? You know how they, like, you get the green Juicy Fruit Gum and it had the, the white and green stripes? That's the kind of outfits they had on. No, 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 no. That's double Juicy Fruit's pleasure. never been in a green package, ever. I think it might have been. Well, you may be wrong. No, I mean, I don't. do you want to, do you want to... Are you calling me out again, son? You want to do another, put a nickel on it? Want to do another uh, downgrade uh, wager? Huh? Put your money where your mouth is? I should have bet you that dollar. You I should have. I, I would have been rolling in the dough. 
Well, before we get to the New York Times, I have a couple of clips that are worthwhile. Yeah, groovy. Since we were talking about propagandizing children, coincidentally, I was watching Doodlebugs. <laughs> As one does. Wait a minute. Is that because C-SPAN has no good programming? Now that so everyone's on vacation? People, you know, the Congress is out, so this, yeah. this, we're going to be hard up for good material. Night. So yeah. I have to go to the children's programming that's on uh, ABC or CBS or whatever. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of interesting little propagandistic messages, including uh, the... Uh, well, first, let's start with a short couple short clips. One is May, uh, about the U.S. mail's never late. You might as well oh, play that on, get on, a feeling on, for it. Hold on, uh, just so we can get into it. Uh, hold on. Ah, it's that part of the show where my hands get all sweaty. Here we go. Okay. Still no mail? No, and I'm getting a bit worried. Mail snail's never late. Mail snail! Mail snail! Mail snail! Never late. This is government, and government's good. Government good, yeah, never late. (laughs) And so then we have uh, the the classic, uh, the propagandistic piece you might want to listen to, Doodlebug's Children's Propaganda. Welcome Welcome to to the Doodle, Wow, I'm Doodle for a day? Super spectacular, awesome, good news! Glad you're psyched. We need your help. How'd you like to be a fellow mail snail? Sure, sounds easy. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's not that easy. Especially on DoodleNet Day! Hooray! There's so many packages, presents, cards, letters. You should probably try it first. In someone else's shoes, come on and give it a try. Another person's point of view can help to open your mind. Just when you think options are few, somebody else has a new idea that can work for you. Open your mind! Uh, Sir Jeff Smith has, uh, has a new gig. He has potential. <laughs> wow. So I, I was wait a minute, wait a minute. This. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is this propagandizing the U.S. Postal Service who are once again saying they need more billions of dollars? Is this why well, this is happening right now? That's one element. The other one is that kids have to be more open-minded and, and multi-culty. There's a real heavy-duty multi-culty thing. Yeah. And... Uh, and then, uh, it, but but I would, the reason I'm bringing it up is because when I was a kid. Hey, there we go. I don't remember watching cartoons that were, I mean, I know that during the World War II, that Disney <laughs> and the other guys would put out these propagandistic anti-Hitler uh, right. cartoons. Right. But that was the only moment, I think, most of the cartoons were just either generalized about about just life or people bashing each other in the head or funny situations or, or Uga horns while some guy looked at a shapely woman. Or, or, uh, or, uh, or, or a speed racer. Speed Racer, I think it started, maybe some of it started to tend toward propaganda. But I'm watching these cartoons and it's just blatant propaganda for these little kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, I want to put myself in somebody else's, put yourself in somebody else's shoes, Dad. Yeah, it's it's Uh, part of, it's like that no excuses thing. So, um, anyway, meanwhile, the only last clip I have, this is just a very short bit. I don't have much to say. I just thought the bit, they also solved Bigfoot, and of course, they make, they make fun of the idea of just, you know, I don't know what the point of this is, but I just thought this was kind of cute. I can't believe we really solved Bigfoot today. And wow, did he ever have big feet! I wonder how we buy shoes that fit. Hey, gang! 
God. John, you definitely need to come to the meetup. We got to get you out of the house. This is not this is not good, my friend. John's gonna hum the Saturday. Yeah. yeah, well, ironically. <laughs> no, wait, don't tell me you're gonna do Sunday. Yeah. Oh, hold on. <laughs> John's gonna hum the Sunday time. Just when I thought we had a jingle ready for you, since you always thought that this Saturday, Saturday was gonna take over, but this Sunday happens to be the paper, so I think they rotate. Okay. So that, but so here's my favorite. The the main thing is is the is the front page photo is is hilarious because it's governor preaches to thousands. The response is the name of it. The capital. R oh, response. this is a uh, uh, adios mofo guy. Yeah, yeah. A prayer event sponsored by Governor Rick Perry drew thousands to a stadium in Houston, and so they have this photo. I wish you could see it. They, I don't know if people are familiar with the certain evangelicals and Pentecostals in particular like to hold their arm up in kind of a Hitler salute, but then they bring their palm back. So the palm, it should be facing skyward mm. to, to, re, to receive the grace of God or the Holy Spirit or whatever. So you hold your arm up and then you try to bend your, your hand way back so it's pointing up. Well, apparently in Texas, they're so old and, and arthritic that they can't manage to turn the palm up. So there's a picture here of all these people giving a Heil Hitler salute. No, no, yes. you, no, I love it. Adios, mofo. I love it. That, that uh, fits I mean, with him. They, and it's not like it's that much. They, the photographer had to go around to find this one group that was particularly <laughs> offensive. And I would assume that anybody in New York or around the country that's not familiar with the practice of this, this hand thing uh, would look at this and go, oh, my God, Rick Perry is a friggin' Nazi. What is the name of the uh, uh, what's the name, the title of the article? Well, the name of the photograph is Governor Preaches to, to Thousands, and then it goes into page 12 for the actual article. They don't even have it on the front page. They just have the photo. And the article would be uh, Perry Leads Prayer Rally. For Nation in Crisis? Yeah. Let me see. Um, oh, yeah. No, they have the little picture. It's a part of a video on the website. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Zeke Heil! And he's on the big screen. Uh, yeah. Above the stage, wow! Yeah. But apparently, the, like this thing didn't sell out. Like, there's oh, there it is. There's oh my goodness. There's the picture. Hold on. <laughs> well, I post that in the chat room. They'll love that. Hold on. Yeah, it's a kids. It's, it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Oh so, wow! Participants wow. pray and sing during the response. A yeah, national day of prayer. I mean, if, this, if anybody takes this guy seriously at this point, after we've already gone through one idiot from Texas, yeah, I think we we, got, we have serious problems because Rick Perry is like somebody. I think one of the left wing talk show guys said, uh, you know, when you put Rick Perry and George Bush together, George Bush is the smart one. <laughs> I, I still think is a funny line. Well, but you know, I talked to a lot of people in Austin, and you know, they want nothing to do with him. They really. At least our people, the smart people, just want to throw a shoe at him or a boot, as it were, because this guy is a total, total douchebag, and he is so corrupt. But unfortunately, a lot of what he's doing is working. You know, a lot of. By the way, it's kind of a hot chick in the yellow dress in that picture. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You, you he see got what nice I, legs. Yeah. So. Um... <laughs> 
Anyway, the rest of the New York Times front page has got, you know, they brought it. This is where you got the warns of further cuts from the S&P guy who's now in full battle with the with our own government, which will be fun to watch. Hey, wait a minute, John. Wait a minute. Look at the woman in the blue with the ponytail. She looks like she's like she's going to puke. She's sitting there like, Ugh, like she has a tummy ache. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, the New York Times, you don't think they're like leftists or anything, do you? <laughs> you don't think they're like trying to portray this guy in a bad light with this Heil Hitler thing? <laughs> wow. All right. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. So uh, they talked about the downing of the chopper on the front page. They talked about the S&P on the front page. The markets expected credit r- ruling, but risk remained. That's bull crap. Nobody expected it that I know of. The, and the market Except me. Up. Hello. Hello. Except me. And then they have uh, the last below the fold story is that one of uh, schizophrenics apparently can get through the day uh, with moments of self-conversation. Exactly what uh, learning to cope with the mind's taunting voices. <laughs> Wait a minute. So when you're hearing your voices, you sit down and you have a chat. I'll chat with myself. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter of character. So uh, that's it for today's New York Times. John's gonna Sometimes there's just too much irony in the news, my friend. Chappell was on the adventure trip of a lifetime, exploring a glacier on a Norwegian island 700 miles inside the Arctic Circle. The group were asleep when a polar bear attacked their camp. Horatio was killed and two other boys, Patrick Flinders and Scott Bennell-Smith, were hurt. All- the trip was organised by the British School Exploring Society, based here, and those on the glacier had been sent there to take measurements for an ongoing scientific study into climate change. <laughs> I mean, it's horrible to laugh about this. It's horrible to laugh about it, I'm telling you, climate change is killing people. Yeah, it's killing people because there's so many polar bears, you know, they're hungry. I mean that's just yeah, irony. It's just kind of a sick joke. You're it's right. A, it's a sick joke, but the irony of it is they, you know, they go to to investigate climate climate change, where the, you know part of the whole farce is that yeah, well, polar bears are dying off, and even the polar bears are sick and tired of this crap. Yeah. So while well, most you, of the fo- polar bear, the, now it turns out you know half these polar bear shots are photoshopped. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. I've so, seen more than a couple of Photoshop jobs. What was a, a I think, polar bear? I think uh, Rolling Stone this month is running. Uh, hold on a second, uh, Rolling Stone, Al Gore. Uh, Rolling Stone is running an old article by uh, Al Gore called no, Cl- "Why." Yeah, called "Climate of Denial." But there was a, there was something in there. Uh, we're like the prophets of doom or something. People who den- deniers of doom. I'm trying to look for the actual. Uh, what was the? Uh, wow, I can't find it now. But it's it's kind of weird that they're running uh, an article from June. They're running now as their cover cover article. Well, that was mm. kind of interesting. Anyway, while you were watching cartoons, uh, I was uh, scouring. So you don't have to. That's right. I was scouring the uh, Federal Register. And came across a brand new um, document, uh, penned, of course, with the auto pen by our president, Barack Obama, August 4th, 2011, 
Presidential Study Directive on Mass Atrocities. And this is a... Uh, so I, I, you know, presidential directives, do, what kind of legal jurisprudence do these have, in your opinion, uh, Professor Dvorak? Uh, I don't know, actually. <laughs> You're typing. I think they're not like an executive order. It's, a, it's but, like a suggestion. Yeah, but I think there's like, I remember there's a lot of uh, people talk about PD-51. A presidential directive, I think, is there, there's something to it. There's some legal status that we might need to... Well, let me, hear, let me read it from the Book of Knowledge. Oh, please. Uh, better known as Presidential Decision Directives, or PDDs, or a form of an, exe- form of an executive order ah. uh, issued by the uh, president with advice and consent of the National Security Council. So it's spook-related. Uh-huh. As a national security instrument, the PDD articulates the executive's policy, carries the full force and effect of law, so it's like a, a executive order, and throughout the terms of presidents have taken on various titles or intents towards national security policy. So what is a presidential study directive? I don't know. That means they have to do a study whether they like it or not. So this is a memorandum for the vice president, the secretary of state, secretary of the treasury, secretary of defense, attorney general, secretary of homeland security. Now, all the shills are there. It's a huge they get list. overtime is the question. Yeah, of I'm course, sure of course they do. Counsel to the president, assistant to the president for legislative affairs, chairman of the joint seat. So everybody, all the squirrel people. And let me read you a portion from this, because this to me basically said or says to the rest of the world, we're coming to kick your ass. And here's how it works. 66 years ago, since the Holocaust and 17 years after Rwanda. The United States still lacks a comprehensive policy framework and a corresponding interagency mechanism for for preventing and responding to mass atrocities and genocide. This has left us ill-prepared to engage early, proactively, and decisively to prevent threats from evolving into large-scale civilian atrocities. But what does this sound like to you? Well... Yet another bypass of the uh, War Powers Act. At least, accordingly, I, Barack Obama, hereby direct the establishment of an interagency atrocities prevention board within 120 days from the date of this presidential study directive. The primary purpose of the atrocities prevention board shall be to coordinate a whole-of-government approach to preventing mass atrocities and genocide. By institutionalizing the coordination of atrocity prevention, we can ensure, one, that our national security apparatus recognizes and is responsive to early indicators of potential atrocities, and two, that departments and agencies develop and implement comprehensive atrocity prevention and response strategies in a manner that allows red flags and dissident and dissent to be raised to decision makers. Three, that we increase the capacity and develop doctrine for our foreign service, armed service, development professionals, and other actors to engage in the full spectrum of smart prevention activities, and four, that we are optimally positioned to work with our allies in order to ensure that the burdens of atrocity, prevention, and response are appropriately shared. Goodbye, rest of the world. This is America. F yeah. This, to me, is disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was that a chuckle? Did you just chuckle on me? Yeah, I got you a chuckle there. 
It's really you got, me, you got me chuckling. It's really amazing. So he he first of all he pulls the uh, the the Holocaust card. Now basically comparing all of these Arab Spring false flag techno expert Hillary Clinton trained shills to the Holocaust and Rwanda. And saying, well, you know, if if an atrocity occurs, and of course, what is an atrocity? How do you define it? I think the atrocity in the United States is people are starving. How about all the prisoners we've got? Yeah, slaves. That's an atrocity right there. And uh, this means that this uh, will be a, an entire security apparatus set up to go and, I don't know, kill brown people? So, have you listened? Did you listen to Obama's recent speeches? Yeah, of course. Well, he's got the he's got all his he's basically saying the same thing on every speech. Have you noticed exactly the same? They downgrade the debt. He says the same thing. They do one thing or another. He says the same thing. It's really weird, I think. Uh, but play the Obama's gall, which is the one that he's he's brought up the other day which is just like is this the best we can do is this like a pep talk he looks older by the way yeah he does but what i want the american people and our partners around the world to know is this we are going to get through this things will get better yeah we're going to get there together <laughs> kumbaya my lord kumbaya yeah yeah there's a lot of this it's it, the whole thing it's almost continuously the american dream speech he just doesn't quite say it every single time, but it's like, you know, hey, it sucks. Eat your peas. We're going to get through this together. Here's another one. He's got the, I got the Made in America. I did miss the beginning of this. Unfortunately, I couldn't find it because he also he, he basically is still on this theme of just getting by. Yeah. Which he's starting to see. He doesn't know that he's saying. I don't know what why anyone hasn't. Well, we're the only guys who seem to have spotted this, but I guarantee you the Republicans eventually will pick it up. Yesterday, I proposed a new tax credit for companies that hire veterans who are looking for work after serving their country. Yeah, this is uh, from his um, his uh, public address. Yeah. We've got a lot of honorable and skilled people returning from Iraq and Afghanistan, and companies that could benefit from their abilities. Let's put them together. No one's hiring anybody, we need to pal. to make sure that millions of workers who are still pounding the pavement looking for jobs are <laughs> pounding? not... Pounding? Pounding the pavement. Hold on. How you doing there, Johnny boy? You pounding your pavement? I'm looking pounding for a it. I'm pounding it. I'm pounding. ...unemployment benefits to carry them through hard times. We've got to cut red tape that stops too many inventors and entrepreneurs from quickly turning new ideas into thriving EPA. Businesses. What's that? Oh, yeah, EPA. Oh, yeah. It's his EPA. Yeah. ...holds back our whole economy. It's time Congress finally passed a set of trade deals that would help displace workers looking for new jobs and that would allow our businesses to sell more products in countries in Asia and South America. Products stamped with three words. Made in America. Made in America. Hey, hey, brown person, see this Hellfire missile that's about to fly up your butt? Made in America. Yeehaw! Raytheon. Made in America, boy! Yeah, if only Obama would keep to his promise from 2009. We've spent this amount of money. We're not seeing the results. We've got to change course dramatically. Yeah. Look, I'm at the start of my administration. One nice thing about uh, uh, the situation I find myself in is that I will be held accountable. 
uh, you know, I've got four years. You're going to know quickly how people feel and, about and, what's and happening. That's exactly right. And, and you know, a year from now, I think people uh, are going to see that uh, we're starting to make some progress, but there's still going to be some pain out there. If I don't have this done in three years, then there's going to be a one-term proposition. <laughs> That's exactly where you're cruising for, my friend. A one-term <laughs> proposition. Headed. Yeah. And you're going to quit because you want to spend time with Malika and Shaniqua. Yeah. 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 yeah what are you going to do? Well, I got one thing. If you want to get a little kind of something that's kind of odd and, and not a, in a not-so-amusing way, there was a, uh, if you might remember, this was a few months back. This uh, Iraqi fart uh, run, ran down his daughter and her friend because the daughter was dating some guy that was outside right. the circle of things. It was a honor yeah. killing. Killed her. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's what you do with your kids. So, uh, of course, the Arizona people, they finally found him guilty of, a ma- of manslaughter. They couldn't get him for murder, even though he was plotting, because they, don't, they couldn't, the DA couldn't seem to get the message across about honor killings being a societal thing in certain cultures. And they, because uh, they talked to some of the jurors afterwards and went, I don't know, <laughs> what, honor killing? Uh. So anyway, but the, the thing is, they released a tape uh, in the meantime, this was on CNBC or one of these odd networks, uh, they released a tape of them talking to the, 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 the initial police call to the guy's wife, the murderer's wife, who they prefaced with. I don't know if I caught too much of this on the tape, but apparently she was actually hired by the U.S. government, mm-hmm. this woman, to train people on Muslim, train troops, American troops on the Muslim culture. Now, I don't know about you, but if you listen to this woman and the, the back and forth between her and the policeman, you have to wonder how she got hired in the first place, A, and B, what kind of maniacs? I mean, this is the, the nuttiest thing you'll ever hear. Play. In U.S. troops about Arab culture before their deployment to the Middle East. Detective Bill Lang reached her by phone and recorded the conversation. It's never been broadcast before. And it is chilling. Hi, this is Detective Bill Lang of the Peoria Police Department. I'm calling this in reference to your husband. Have you heard from him lately? I don't know anything about anything. What happened was Noor, she was with Amal, and they were at the Department of Economic Security. Salah ended up running them down with his vehicle. Who said my husband? Maybe it's not my husband. This woman, she's liar because she's dirty. If it's not your husband, then where is he? I don't know. Your daughter's about close to dying. Close to dying? Yes, she's in critical okay. condition. Tell her thank you, Amal. Thank you. That's what she needs. You're a sick individual. I'm good person, and my husband, he's good person, and we are good family. But this is family is dirty. I want to see my daughter. We're not mentioning where she's at. And you were just saying how what happened to them was deserved. We are Muslim. We can't kill my daughter. She's my heart. My husband, I don't care about him. I want to see my daughter. We cannot release her her location at this time. I look in every hospital. I want to go everywhere. I talk as a president. It's not service. You know that? You just sat there and told me that everything that happened to them was okay. And now you all of a sudden you have concern for your daughter. No, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I think these tax credits that uh, Obama is passing is to hire people like this. 
<laughs> so, I mean, what is this? What was this woman? How is she working for the government teaching of troops about Middle Eastern culture? She sounds like a complete psycho. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyway, yeah. I thought I'd just bring that out to liven up. Yeah, the just yeah, make me feel good. Did you? Did you? Uh, now, this was a big tech story. Uh, by the way, are you on Twit today? No. Yeah. We need to get you back on Twit to promote the show, man. That's I was just on Twit a couple weeks ago. Yeah, well, you got to go back again. It's good for us. I'll be on for their big party. Yeah. So I'm sure you saw the story uh, at the Black Hat conference, which has you know sounds like oh this is hackers, this is hackers that, and this was in in Gadget and all these all the you know CNET and it was like wow you know these guys they created a drone that can go listen to your cell phone. These hackers are awesome, and this really bothered me. This story, did you see this? Yeah, yeah, and yeah you saw I the video it. of the drone and everything. So it was built by um, this guy named Michael Tassi. And you know and I'm like so what are they, what are they trying to what are they trying to tell me with this story? In fact, I think I might have I think I have a clip. Let me just check. Yeah, I've got a clip here. Just listen to this for a moment. It's kind of interesting. There's a new bug flying around. It could sting you from 400 feet away and you wouldn't even know it. It's called a remote-controlled plane called WASP, or Wireless Aerial Surveillance Platform. CNN explains. It can intercept your cell phone conversations and even reroute your calls to another number. It can trace the location of specific people and follow them home and steal information from a target's home network. International Business Times reports the six-foot-long drone can weigh up to 16 pounds. It can fly for 30 to 45 minutes at an altitude of 22,000 feet, though legally it can only go as far as 400 feet. And at just 50 feet, you won't even hear it coming. Sounds like quite the project. But it's not, and that's the problem. The two researchers who developed WASP say it's quiet, cheap, and able to be built in a garage using hand tools and open source technology at a fraction of the cost. But don't start ducking just yet. Wired tells us there's still some good that can come from the prying plane. They would be great for providing emergency cellular access to regions hit by a disaster. They could also run search and rescue missions for lost hikers. So this is, unfortunately, another PSYOPs. And uh, so I look up this guy, Michael Tassi, and you know, the, the, and so Wired and Gadget, everyone's re- repeating the same thing. If they can do it, we can do it. You know what this guy is? He's the director of IA and Cybersecurity Solutions at Engineering System Solutions, which is a huge government contractor for mm. the Army. This is, they are promoting the fact that you should be ready for these drones to be flying around overhead protecting you because they can do it. They can build it in their garage. It's a sales job. That's <laughs> what it sounds like. Yeah. It's, it's like, PR. It's, yeah. They it's got a t- good public relations agency. It's Give fan- me a break. Yeah, well, this is a huge government contract. And everyone's like, well, what's the name of the company? So we can figure out who the public relations agency is and then track it to the reporter and find out they're just doing nothing but reading from a press clip. Let's see. It's engineering. Like else. Well, engineering system solutions. You find it at essworld.net. Let's see if they have, uh, if they have, oh, news. Here we go. News. Let's see if they, uh, uh, Lincoln Labs, Defense, no, 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 not, not, uh, not immediately apparent, but they, they're, they're a huge government contractor, founder, chief executive officer, officer, Jay Nathan, retired Air Force officer, 
Power of the team. <laughs> it's a total sales job to get you ready and prepared for Drone Nation. Well, we've, you know, by the way, somebody out there, dronenation.com, we need it. Yeah. So uh, we, this is what we talk about. We've talked about it before. That the country's going to, in fact, I think it was one of the kids that asked me this the other day. When do you, or was it either that or you last Thursday? Yes, I'm when a kid. you expect to see the first real drones flying around? Oh, they're already flying around, and you'll never guess who's, who's operating them. You ready for this? The sun rises over another day of misery in Minot, North Dakota. Farms, businesses, and thousands of homes all underwater. Not even the Red Cross is safe. This video, shot by a drone-mounted camera, offers a unique perspective on the disaster. This is uh, the Daily. It's called the Daily Drone. It's Murdoch's... Uh, Daily Drone. Yeah, it's called the Daily Drone. W- this is Murdoch's office. place. That's where they used to call me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, hold on. In the Very good. Yeah, nice one. The Daily Drone. This is from the Daily, from that iPad app. They've got the Daily Drone flying around. And, and by the way, great footage. Oh, by the way, and here's a good one. This ESS, their, their, their press releases in 2009 come out of Frederick, Maryland. Hmm, Frederick or Fredericksburg? No, just Frederick. Frederick. That's one of the spook centers. Hilarious. Anyway, the FAA is probing News Corp's use of drones. FAA spokeswoman Laura Brown says her agency is investigating whether the Daily's use of unmanned aerial systems violates FAA regulations. Yeah, because uh, we you know we can't have you guys doing that. You can't be like flying drones. That's our job. Go hey, away. Here's, here's another good one with the ESS. <laughs> Where do you think their offsite offices are? Uh, Langley, Fort Detrick. <laughs> It's so funny. And Isn't then, that where all the flying saucers were supposedly stored? What do you mean? That's where they are stored. What's your problem? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oops. Oops. But it's it's just so hilarious that, you know, these 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 great You watch this be a topic on Twit, I guarantee you. But yeah, man, we got to get this is scary. Terrorists can build drones. No, it's your government building the drones and they're preparing you for total acceptance. Speaking of which, though, uh, I, I put it in the show notes on the last show, 327.nhshownotes.com, and I'll put another link in. I have been getting daily at least 10 to 15 um, solar flare, solar storm alert, alerts on my app. Really? Big ones. Yeah, like M-class. So normally it's C-class. I got an M9 the other day, and we could actually see satellite transmissions go down. There's uh, now news Solar flares cause, can cause some radio blackouts. They cause some radio blackouts Wednesday and Thursday, cause disruptions of high-frequency communications with airplanes flying over the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. Really? So, mm. you know, this is perfect opportunity for, uh, for something to go down. Another Airbus. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's Boeing's turn to crash. So if you go to the ESS site, I hate to keep harping on this. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? These guys are great. Hey, Wired, good job. If you go to the Board of Advisors and click on the link, it's pretty funny. Uh, where do I find it? Under about, about us. Go to... Uh, oh, yeah, Board of Advisors. I got it here. Board of Advisors. Who do we have? I bet there's some good shills in there. Wait, it's empty. It's <laughs> <laughs> an empty page. <laughs> funny. <laughs> All right, um, as we uh, start to wind down the show, uh, it's very difficult to end the show without, uh, well, we need a new jingle, uh, basically, but... uh 
It should be stock tips of the week. MasterCard, second quarter profit jumps 33%. Great Plains, second quarter profit drops 33% on weaker electric segment. Here's a, uh, here's a stock tip. Goldman Sachs. Oh, I already had this one, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Recession, 33% likely. QE3 is coming. GDP will only grow 2%. And then my favorite, Justin Bieber saves Paramount. Home entertainment up 33%. So, uh, what was the Goldman story again? I'm making notes on this to try to figure out what the... I'm, I'm working on decoding it. Yeah, Goldman Sachs... Recession is 33% likely. Now, this is exactly what Larry Summers said, uh, former economic advisor to uh, to Obama. So now Goldman Sachs either parroting it or... I heard someone on uh, a local radio station, that, uh, as we got a little um, more into Tennessee, Kentucky, there were some local talk shows. By the way, AM band, silent. There's nothing going on here. I couldn't really? get anything. No, nothing. Uh, maybe they, Maybe it's the wrong antenna or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe the, the FM antenna won't won't work on the AM on the radio in the Duchess. Uh, but there was a guy who said, "Double dip recession? That's not that's impossible because we never even got out of the first one." Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. announcing thirty three. And uh, I think that is about uh, all that I got, John. Unless you have uh, something else. Then, no, I'm good. Uh, we should probably uh, wrap this up. This, by the way, for those of you who ask every single time, it's the Marriott Jazz Quintet in the seventh d- on the seventh day is the title of this track. It is uh, Pod Safe, and you can uh, go uh, consult the Book of Knowledge and find that somewhere. Well, John, uh, our next program will be coming to you from Cleveland. Ooh, Cleveland rocks. Cleveland rocks, indeed. You ever been to Cleveland? Uh, yeah. No, no, I haven't. I've been to Columbus, Ohio. Not it's, it's, it's a hellhole. <laughs> Yay! Well, someone has offered us their house. They're not even home. Ooh. And uh, yeah, house. They're Mini Cooper. And their uh, neighbor and good friends who are also fans of the show is a weapons expert and will be taking us out shooting. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. Oh, yeah. I, You know, I, the thought of Miss Mickey with a Glock turns me on. Right, I'll take that silence as agreement from your end. Coming to you from the land of Lincoln, the great state of Illinois, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for your support. We'll talk to you again. Uh, on the next No Agenda program in the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the tomatoes are in season and they're delicious, I'm John C. Dvorak. Remember, next on the stream, the No Agenda producer update. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, right here on No Agenda. Adios, mofo. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Dvorak.